Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/achieve today. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you chiching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business, from the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, thirty six percent better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow grow with Shopify. Get a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/work. Shopify.com/work. Hey guys, welcome to a new winter cults and culture. I'm Sam, and here with me today is our very special guest, Gary Butterfield. Hi, Gary. Hello. Hey, Sam. Hello, hey. listeners. And today we are going to be talking about Dark Souls 2. Um, so Gary is from Duckfeed TV. Uh, he's got multiple podcasts, but how I was first made aware of his work was through Bonfireside Chat, which I actually listened to after reading about it in that um, Dark Souls book, uh, You Died, which you and your co-host Cole were interviewed for, I believe. Yeah, Jason Killingsworth and uh, Kaza uh, McDonald, I believe. Yeah, did, did I love the yeah. fact he's called Killingsworth. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the, um, it, it's a great name. That, uh, and he, that guy is great. I, I like just throwing that out there as one of the nicest dudes. Um, but yeah, that's how I found out about Bonfireside Chat. And for people that don't know, it's a podcast basically dedicated to uh, Dark Souls and Souls-like games. Um, so basically, you're the expert here. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. I do my best. <laughs> Have I described that correctly, would you say? Was that a good yeah. elevator pitch? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, we've had to, you know, the games did not, uh, the, the initial kind of conceit for the show um, was doing it as a, a travel guide almost mm-hmm. to these games because uh, Cole and I, Cole is my co-host on that show, um, we're both really struck by in Dark Souls 1 how it felt like every area had a very strong thesis uh, yeah. to it. Or, or kind of gimmick to it. Um, and then, uh, you know, we did that at that time. We could still, we had Demon Souls to go back to. Dark Souls 2 came out. And then we had to kind of start covering other things in between games. So we covered influences and antecedents or, uh, uh, present, you know, uh, games that either came before or came after, either buy from or not, that took some of the design philosophy. Um, and yeah, yeah, gen- generally pretty accurate. We be- we limit it to things that have at least a little bit uh, in common with Dark Souls, and that can be a little bit of a stretch, you know, depending on uh, honestly if we if we think we have something to say about it, you know. Yeah. So 
between games at one point we covered Shovel Knight. Shovel Knight is not a Souls-like. There are some kind of mechanics as far as the uh, risk-reward with when you die um, picking up your, your resources. But we just wanted to talk about Shovel Knight because we loved it. Uh, so we, we decided to stretch the rules a little bit mm. in that case. Yeah, I've actually got... I bought Demon Souls on the advice of a friend way back in the day. And um, I got rid of all my PS3 games. Uh, and my P- PS3 actually had the fan, um, got screwed up and I had to mm. replace the fan. So because it was opened, no one would take it. And I was like, you know, I'm going to keep it. And the only, <laughs> the only game I've got for it is Demon's Souls, <laughs> just sitting there in a Mine bag. Is a, is a Demon's Souls machine as well. A dedicated piece of hardware. Oh, really? So, yeah. yeah. I haven't played it yet. I've still got, a, I've, I haven't got any room to do it at the moment. But yeah, I was thinking I'll do Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, and then I'll go back and do mm-hmm. Demon's Souls. And then I'll do Bloodborne. So I'm kind of hopping mm-hmm. around um, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> at the moment. Yeah. Um, so I should say, first first off the bat, because uh, I've got my audience base is mostly American. Um, are there any burning questions about British colloquialisms <laughs> that you would like <laughs> being cleared up? It's only because I remember I was listening to your podcast and I heard um, Cole, and he, he seems to say this a lot about... <laughs> He used this expression, tossed it off. Okay. <laughs> Each time he says that, it really makes me laugh. And I think he drew attention to it at one point. But, um, yeah. Uh, well, could, what, what is he saying? What is, what is uh, tossed off in... If you've, in, if, you've to- if you've tossed... So tossed it off, it, it could be similar to saying, oh, cracked one out, which could be... Okay. Um, which is like masturbating. Okay. <laughs> well, I will be uh, <laughs> good. Good to know. So, I, <laughs> if you're saying, which makes it funny because it's like yeah. the, of the use of the word "it." So usually, it'd be like, oh, "I toss myself off." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or, tossing you know. it off sounds like you've got like a uh, you know some kind of uh, like Lovecraftian attic. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, or that you see your penis as a separate um, entity. <laughs> sure, some kind of dissociative thing, which like ties into the theming of what we're talking about today pretty well. Yeah, um, but I like the, the idea. The biggest, when he's, sorry, yeah, <laughs> um, the the biggest piece of uh, British slang that was uh, news to me recently that I remember is someone I think on Twitter uh, told me that uh, something made them squeaky bummed. <laughs> or or had like squeaky bell and I was like, yeah. why? What does that mean? And and it wasn't, uh, you know, I just I just asked and found and found out. But uh, that to to uh, my to my ears sounded very strange. Yeah. Uh, and now I understand it. Yeah, it's um, well, I seem to you know that means nervous, basically, like mm-hmm. apprehensive, let's say. Um, but yeah, that's quite like a. <laughs> that's something that not my mum, but like <laughs> it's not like a, <laughs> it's not something that people. Um, use every day, really. I don't think. Yeah, maybe. Um, hmm. But then I'm saying that, and people could be like, "What are you talking about?" I say, <laughs> I say that all the time. And I'd be like, "Okay, well, just around me and my friends." <laughs> yeah, there's um, sometimes it's like, "Oh yeah, it was a bit, you know, squeaky bum time." <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, just you know, surely even if you know the slang, you could you could see how if you don't know what that means, it just squeaky bum time sounds like a. <laughs> Something dirty but vague. Like I don't, I don't know ex- precisely what it'd be referring to, but it just has kind of the cadence of something dirty to me. Yeah, a pornographic you know? adventure time. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. When I think about it, it doesn't even really like make sense. I think the idea is that you've pooed yourself or you've done the, uh, a particularly high pitched uh, fart. That, well, that's that's the way it was uh, explained to me. Is that you're so tense 
that if you if you were to, to fart, that it would be uh, really really high pitched because because you're so tense. So yes. that's that's how it was explained to me. That's actually perfect. It's one yeah. of those things where I've never actually had to think about <laughs> about it yeah. properly. Um, that makes sense. Uh, so after after that, that's good. And if there's any um, <laughs> any other British things <laughs> that people want cleared up, you know, feel yeah. feel free to <laughs> contact us. Um, so yeah, uh, tell us a little bit about your um, your relationship with Dark Souls and and Dark Souls Two, and uh, how you got into it, um, why it ha- maybe has a special place in your heart, why you dedicated a whole podcast to it, really. Yeah. Um, so. Uh you know, I do another show. the 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 flagship show on our network is called Watch Out for Fireballs. Uh, is a show like a games club podcast that me and Cole do. Um, Cole had taken his second run at Dark Souls. He played, did a first run of it, and really didn't like it. We taken a second run, run, and uh, I think this is a very common experience where it uh, clicks for people. You mm-hmm. know, uh, people. You know, it takes a few times to get to it. Um, so he's like, "Hey, you know, trust me. I think you'd really like this if you gave it a shot." Um, so I started playing it. And in between the mar- kind of the marginalia of the our flagship show, which was not about Dark Souls, we would still talk about it. Um, we would compare kind of, oh, like, did this happen to you? And there are all these secrets uh, and things. And we both kind of came upon that idea that I mentioned about every area kind of having a thesis. Um, and the thing that uh, we like to say about it basically is it was a game so good that we had to do a show about it uh, because we were going to be talking about it at length regardless yeah. Um, so we thought it, you know, it was worth recording. And at the time, um, you know, now there are some Dark Souls podcasts, but at the time there were not. Um, so, you know, we looked just to make sure we weren't, uh, stepping on anyone's toes and, uh, we weren't. So we, we started it then. And it's, it's honestly, you know, depending on which day you ask me, it's, it's my favorite video game. Um, you know, I obviously video games are a big, important part of my life. It's my job. Uh, but depending on which day you ask me, Dark Souls is my absolute favorite. And it is the one out of all of the games in the series that I can revisit and replay. Um, I have done challenge runs and kind of, uh, gimmick runs. I've speed run the game. I can beat Dark Souls one in two hours, which oh. is not good by speed run standards, but I still felt good about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just got extremely into it. And uh, same thing, you know, played Demon Souls uh, for a thing. I love Demon Souls. Uh, and Dark Souls 2 was very highly anticipated. Um, and I uh, love Dark Souls 2 as well. Um, it's, you know, it's not an absolute unqualified love. I don't love it quite as much as Dark Souls 1. But uh, but I love that. And I end up, you know, every entry in the series I love, um, even, you know, even if there are degrees. So they're, they're just a very important part of uh, my life, not just in terms of my career, but also just in terms of kind of my passions. Like, I think that there are things that they do that are unique that you cannot get in other games. Mm. And, uh, yeah. I think that's pretty special, the fact that you... I did wonder, actually, if you'd got in there, there first um, because there's such a huge uh, following for it. Well, you know, back then and now that um, it was. it's great that you guys were able to kind of get in you know, quick enough um, to kind of, you know, have that uh, support behind you, that community, and 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 talk about something that people loved, including mm-hmm. yourselves. Yeah, there's um, a, what's interesting about Dark Souls, uh, the first one specifically, is there's kind of um, us, uh, some other people as well, there's kind of a cottage industry around analysis uh, for it. So there are people, uh, you know, ourselves, there are a couple of other podcasts, and there are many YouTubers uh, who made their careers, you know, that are now 
well-paying careers, people who are order of magnitude more successful than, than we are even, um, on talking about and kind of explaining and analyzing and commenting on Dark Souls. Yeah, I mean, from your recommendation, I, that's when I listened to, uh, is it Fatia Vidya? Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm saying that right. Um, and that's that was great, just having a very succinct um, story, basically, for mm-hmm. each aspect of it. And that really helped me. And I was listening to you guys when you um, talked about his videos and I was watching those. And it really kind of filled in a lot because I should say, like, um, and I did do an episode on Dark Souls, which was just me by myself rambling (laughs) for like two hours or however long it was. Um, So, yeah, people can go back and listen to that. So I won't won't talk too much about that. But I I got Dark Souls when it um, came out and I must have done the first hour about five or six times and I would do the, um, asylum. I would get mm-hmm. to, um, the filing shrine and then I'd be like a bit lost and I'd always do what everyone does, which is I go through the graveyard and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> like this game's just, I'm, I'm not sure what's happening. i keep dying. And I gave up and I did that yeah, five or six times <laughs> until I got it on switch, the remastered edition. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I have a long commute. My commute at that time, now it's about an hour and 20, but at that time it was two hours each way. Um, so that's a lot of just sitting on a train. So I was like, right, I'm sitting here. <laughs> I can't go anywhere. I've done it. So I've only got this game and the thing. And I really pushed yeah. myself to um, play through it. And yeah, it was one of those things where, and it's like with Dark Souls 2 as well, and the same, same kind of thing. Um, but when... I thought it was really difficult. And then basically I understood that it's not a difficulty thing. It's kind of as hard as you want it to be, but it's very, it's very fair. And, mm-hmm. um, and just that aspect of it and the way that you can reapproach things, you can go away and grind and come back if you need to, you can go look somewhere else. Um, and summon help. Yeah, exactly. Summoning help and all this stuff. Just, I was just like, yeah, it's not, it's not about the fact that, I'm getting, you know, killed constantly, immediately. It's like, and it is, I know it's that, you know, get good culture. Mm-hmm. And I kind of understand, you know, people saying that if it's like you handed it to a complete newbie who hasn't played a game before, they're going to probably have a harder time than someone who's quite used to playing um, video games. But yeah, I was just so intimidated it, intimidated by it, by what I'd heard about. It's the hardest game of all time. Um and all this. And I was just like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do that. Like, I'm not that good a gamer. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've always felt that with, uh, with the series that, um, that kind of angle on it or that, uh, which a lot of it is a result of marketing, mm. um, as a result, you know, a result of these publishers is really reductive, you know, because, because the games are about so much more than that. Like there's a lot, uh, to the dark souls approach to difficulty. And specifically, I think, um, and when I say Dark Souls, I mean the series. Uh, the approach to allowing the player to mitigate difficulty is really elegant uh, in that. And uh, there's a lot to say about that. But there's also a lot to say about um, these worlds and this idea of um, kind of player-driven archaeology where you are in a space where something has happened and uh, you if you choose to engage with that part of it, you can choose to try to figure out what happened there and kind of learn these mysteries and get this depth uh, that kind of provides context to -hmm. those fights and that difficulty. Um, And the the way they do world design, the way that areas will kind of 
circle back on each other or uh, shortcuts will, will unlock and you'll see these surprising connections in the world. There's so many things that it just does uh, as well as the medium can do. And whenever I see it just kind of presented as like, this game will stomp your <laughs> you know, stomp you in the balls. Like, I'm like, well, like, I think, um, I think it was Dark Souls 2. Uh, there was like a hot wings challenge where it's like, go get the hottest wings we can have, the Dark Souls wings. And if you eat them, you get this shirt. And, I, and there are, if you, uh, Google image search bad Dark Souls t shirt, um, you will right. see some absolutely blood curdlingly dumb things. Gonna make like, a of that. Yeah, it's, it's not good. The, uh, the, the one I know where it's, I, I don't need, I think it says, I don't need a wife because, uh, it, I, I forgot to ask, is it okay to swear? Uh, yeah. On swear, the show? Yeah, yeah. It's okay. Um, it says, I don't need a wife because Dark Souls fucks me every day. Uh, and I'm just it's- like, man, yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Okay, gamer. <laughs> you know? I do like yeah. that idea that, you know, there's, it's like you have to be elite or something to complete it. Um, and it's like, you don't, you really, you really don't. <laughs> It's gatekeeping, right? Like it, yeah. it's it's uh, it's kind of the people who there are people who with anything that's very difficult will wrap up part of their identity in it and will feel like, hey, this is for me and not for everyone, you know, mm. because it makes me special that I can get through it, and that's that's fiction, um, you know. It, it is. I think it's it's more. It's a better attitude to say the things I like. I want other people to experience them too because everyone deserves this because it's just uh, you know it's great. Yeah. You know? I still have these conversations as a close friend of mine who I did another podcast with years ago called The Wild Boar, it's in B-O-R-E, um, and he was he's so anti-Dark Souls because he's totally bought into that thing of, I don't want to, you know, you lose your souls. You, for him, losing the idea of losing progress is mind-baffling. Like, why mm. do I want to redo a bit I've just done? And I have to explain to him, it's like, well, for, for one thing, you, you can get those back, you mm-hmm. learn stuff when you, you know, when you die, you've learned something. And so you go back and also those souls are still there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, they're not like, th- that's your kind of progress as such. And if you really wanted to, you could go somewhere else and grind a whole bunch of souls and, you know, level yourself up to whatever. But the point of it isn't, and also it's the idea that you can't pause it, which I know sounds really silly, but having, Having kids as well, I could. I was like, oh, you know, I've got so much going on, and if I can't pause it, and it's like, it doesn't really. You're all right. It's not like it's a fast-paced, you know, Doom-style game or something. It's like there are moments where you can probably just stand there and go get yourself a mm-hmm. cup of tea or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's you know, it's not that crazy, but um, yeah. And he still doesn't want to play it because it's this idea of, uh, yeah, that he doesn't want to put effort into something which he feels like isn't getting rewarded properly and i'm like well that's kind of the whole point of it is a risk reward thing and you're actually getting more out of it um than you would with any other game normally i would say well yeah and what what is counterintuitive to games is that there is definitely um you know you get to you lose a lot when you die in dark souls you keep so much Right, like you keep uh, the progress if you've made your way to a bonfire, you keep any doors you've opened, you keep any items you've picked up, um, you keep mini bosses or bosses you've killed. Like you actually keep quite a bit mm. uh, when when you die. And the thing that you lose, which is souls, feels really bad because uh, sometimes it can have a little bit of that um, pinball feeling where it's like, man, twenty thousand souls, like that's a really big number. Like you know, pinball. 
uh, machines, you never get ten points for something. You always get ten yeah. million points yeah. uh, for something. But then if you if you if it takes you seventy thousand souls to level up, you know, at that point or whatever, or if it takes you know it takes some some, it's really not, you know, the 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 currency of souls devalues as you play the game. Yeah. Um, you need them less. They are worth less. So you can take these bigger swings. You can risk losing them because you're not really losing much. Yeah. And, and that's a psychological trick that the game does because it wants you to persevere past that loss. Um, and it wants you to understand, you know, death is not the end. Like it is, it is okay to accept this and try again. Yeah. It's nice. It is quite funny. Cause it's like, I would right at the beginning, if I lost like, 2000 souls and i was at work i would that's all i talk about with anyone i'd be like oh, i'm playing dark souls i lost 2000 mm. souls <laughs> <laughs> i'd be beating myself up about it so bad going i can't believe it call your family <laughs> yeah. you, you call, you know, take out an ad yeah just having to have yeah. some quiet time by myself just rocking <laughs> yeah. in the corner and then like cut to like i don't know like two weeks later i've lost like yeah ninety thousand souls and i'm like yeah it's fine yeah <laughs> like, Frust- frustrating but that's okay yeah um yeah. And it, yeah, it does kind of play, play with that, which is uh, great. It's all part of the learning experience. Um, so I kind of came into Dark Souls two straight off Dark Souls one, <laughs> which in hindsight was probably a bad idea because I didn't. I thought it would be like cool. I'm just kind of you know continuing, but I think it was just like way too much. Like by the and what I didn't realize is that it is a you know long ass game. <laughs> It's much bigger than the first one, especially yeah. with the uh, the DLCs. Yeah, and I did it. I was like adamant. I was like, no, I'm going to do it, complete it all, do all the DLCs. And uh, yeah, just by the end, I was just like, man, is this ever going <laughs> to finish? And just straight off doing Dark Souls 1, I was like, I should have played a game, a little like palate cleanser <laughs> in the middle, um, which is weirdly what I'm doing now. So I haven't, I've started Dark Souls 2, I've only done about an hour or so, but in the middle I played Far Cry 5, and I was playing it, and I feel like playing Dark Souls has now changed changed something. Yeah, inside yeah. me because I was playing Far Cry Five and whatever. I've done like three, four, two and four, and it's like whatever. I'm just going around shooting, and I'm playing it, going, "This just feels like an absolute waste of my time." I'm hating yeah. it. I'm just not enjoying it. And now I'm like, has Dark Souls strangely ruined <laughs> it? My enjoyment. It took of it, it, I, I had a long period of that. It took a long time for me to, uh, to kind of reckon with the things that, like, as much as I, I think that, uh, the, the Souls games are absolutely truly remarkable, um, that there are things you can't get from them, mm. you know, and just be like, well, okay, I'm, if I'm in the mood for what those can provide, this is the best answer. If I'm in the mood for something else, I need to know where to go. You know, yeah. uh, for that, because there are like things like, I mean, I like, I like strategy games a lot. Like I like, uh, you know, things are less reflex based as well. Yeah. Um, being able to, to go to that, uh, is really important, uh, you know, for me from time to time. Um, but yeah, I had the same experience in the early episode of, of, uh, bonfires. I chat, I think I bring up the idea of saying like, I, I can't imagine going to like God of war. Yeah. After this, because that is kind of a mindless button masher. And then uh, flash forward to 2018, where the God of War reboot is basically, you know, cribs a lot yeah. from Dark Souls, Dark Souls in terms yeah. of the combat. Like it's a uh, it's it's had this huge impact. So I think you're not alone in having mm. that feeling of kind of ruination. Yeah. Good. It's <laughs> <laughs> light at the end of the tunnel. At least yeah. it was really weird. How, how many times do you think you've completed Dark Souls 2 then? 
Um, two, two, so, uh, one I've done the most, two, mm. I've probably played the second most number of times and I probably, uh, completed it, not counting, you know, each of these times was not with the DLCs. Yeah. Uh, probably six, okay. five or six, nice. if I had to guess. Cool. Um, cause yeah, so, I, I see there's, um, for the new game plus things change, which, I, which I'll kind of bring up again a little bit later, but, um, did you do it? Do, do you like start afresh or do, or is this like a new game plus, 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 plus? For, for me, I'm, I'm not chasing those bigger numbers. I always want to try a new build. Right. So I, yeah. I do, I, I did new game plus once in Dark Souls 2 because as, as you mentioned, it has changed things. But every other one I, I was like, well, what is this like if I don't play with it? I don't allow myself to equip a shield. Mm. Or what is this like if I, uh, you know, just do ranged attacks? Like I, I'm just a, a hex caster or a sorcerer. Yeah. Things like that. Okay. Um, okay, so for anyone, if you've got this far in and you don't know what Dark Souls is, then well done. <laughs> <laughs> but Dark Souls 2, I should firstly say it's a computer game, <laughs> a video yeah. game. We're, we're not talking about, you know, what if we were talking about a restaurant? <laughs> exactly. Like we, we got to this part and we were just like, yeah, it is the restaurant that ruins all of the restaurants. I can't eat down at God of War, the Italian place, <laughs> or the Greek place down the street, you know? The, um, yeah. yeah. What a horrible uh, name for a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> and I like the idea it's number yeah. two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like they did another one. That one didn't work out. Okay. But we're going to call it the same thing. They have restaurants. Like I've been to restaurants where it's like two. Like you go into a place no. that's like Luigi's two. And I'm like, what is this? That doesn't, <laughs> that doesn't exist, surely. <laughs> yeah. So good. Uh, uh, <laughs> we made another one. Uh, <laughs> I imagine that. Um, uh, but yes, yeah, a game, and uh, it was released in uh, March of 2014. And then there was an edition called the Scholar of the First Sin, um, which I believe was released about a year later, um, and that included a few changes. And uh, it also included um, three sets of DLC that had been released, um, which we'll, we'll come on to a bit later. Um, it's known as an action RPG, much the same as Dark Souls 1. Um, and it's the same just as before. So as we're discussing, you know, you're kind of fighting your way through this magical world. You start with next to nothing and soon you become this all-powerful warrior to a degree. Um, and the same rules apply for the most part. There are bonfires where you respawn. If you die, you lose your souls, which is essentially your XP or currency. Uh, if you make it back to where you died, you can reclaim them. If you die before you get there, those souls are gone forever, which is what we were talking about earlier. Um, the two significant changes in this game is that you can walk between bonfires from the off and that when you die, you lose a bit of your max HP. And I think it's half. Is that right? Is the maximum it will decrease? It, it, um, you know, it, it's hard for me to say because I think that is something that maybe changed during it. And I know you can okay. get a ring that yeah. affects it. So I, I'm getting confused. That That is a legacy mechanic from Demon Souls in which you lost half from the jump. Like oh, if really? you if you are not in a specific uh, state, so in, in Demon Souls, you have a, a human form and a soul form. If you are in soul form, uh, you are at half HP right. uh, in Demon Souls. So this is uh, – this they make that gradual. Uh, I think it is half, but I also think it's changed in all these different versions. So I yeah, can't say for certain. I had the so I played the Scholar of the First uh, Sin edition on, on PS4 and um, I had the ring. Is it the colonoscopy <laughs> ring? It's not called that. It's, it's, no, no. <laughs> uh, I think it's the cling. I think it might be the the. It's the cling ring in uh, in Demon Souls. Okay. Um, 
yeah. I'd say it's like Colanthory col- or something like that. But yeah, I, I had that ring. And that's what kind of annoyed me is I had this ring on throughout the whole um, of the game, apart from when I used a human effigy, which is the same as humanity as the first game, which gives you, you become, you become a human, you get full health again. Um, and uh, yeah, so I, if I used that, I would unequip the ring and then mm-hmm. use another one. But I was just getting, by the end of it, I was just getting so like annoyed by this like extra bit of admin. And I think at one point um, when I was listening to you guys, you say the fact that it's, and this is kind of how I was thinking about it as well, is that you're, um, with you and your ring on or whatever, at 75%, I think it was, whatever you might say, HBOs, if you think of that as your maximum health, and then mm-hmm. when you turn human, that's just like a little bit extra that you get. It's a buff. Yeah, a buff. Yeah, exactly. That that helps you deal with it more. And that's kind of how I was thinking of it as I was playing. But I was just like, it really annoyed me. Like, And the, when I started well, they- playing it, I was just like, why is my health going? Because <laughs> I didn't realise either. Because obviously it's one of those things they don't, I don't think they tell you. And I'm just like, what's going on with my health bar? Yeah, um, it, it's a little inelegant. And it's also um, a little bit of kind of um, what we like, we, we call on the network like a poor get poorer. Yeah. You know, mechanic, like you have difficulty with the section, it killed you. When you go into it, you have less strength. Mm. You know, and I think what they're doing in that is that it will get harder each time, you know, as you lose that, that HP. And I think they're, you know, subtly trying to encourage you to turn human to use the effigy because then when you use effigy, you can engage with the multiplayer. Right. You know, so if you, if you're really having, and this isn't prescriptive, like nobody needs to do that, but I think that's what they're, they're, they're trying to nudge you towards is just if you are, continually in this kind of death spiral of losing losing health on the same part over and over, use an effigy and then, hey, maybe there's a summon sign on the ground and you can get past that and experience more of the game. Right. That's interesting, yeah. So that's another thing is there is a multiplayer aspect to it. Um, much like the first game, people can invade your game, you can invade others, mm-hmm. you can leave signs to be summoned into someone else's game, you can summon people into yours to help you out. Um, mm-hmm. There's and that's and there's like that PvP element, um, which is I believe is still really popular to this day within Dark Souls Two. Um, yeah, which yeah. is Dark- interesting. It's yeah, we, it's kind of uh, surprising because Dark Souls Two, like in the the fan community, doesn't have as good a reputation as the first one. But as far as uh, PvP goes, it is still pretty vibrant because there's a really really wide variety of builds. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the meta is uh, you know is pretty robust. Mm. Yeah, I never really, I didn't really delve into it um, that much. I mean, I got invaded a few times, but um, I, I was always just killed. <laughs> it was never really much of a much of a fight. I was just like, okay, well, I'll try and see how long I can last. Um, but yeah, I mean, I didn't realise things until afterwards. Like, you can turn in. I think you could do this in the first one as well, right? When you turn into part of the scenery and you can mm-hmm. hide, which is yeah, cool. Yeah, there's a, there's a couple of really kind of cool. Uh, mechanics or items or spells uh, that only affect PvP. So you can uh, you can disguise yourself. Um, there is one I believe that makes uh, changes um, the lock on distance that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and my favorite one in Dark Souls Two is there's an item called a Sea of the or Seed of the Tree of Giants, mm-hmm. um, which if someone invades you. Um, so usually when somebody comes in to fight you, uh, the enemies that are already there you know, that are part of the world, yeah. do not fight them. They only fight you. But if you use this seed, it will turn the world against them. Uh, mm. So they come in to invade you, but any of the enemies that are fighting you will also fight them. Uh, that's uh, so it kind of gives you a little bit of an edge. Yeah. 
That's quite funny. I can imagine yeah. that would uh, be a surprise. The, <laughs> there's also, I mean, I, I not to not to ramble on, but I, I forgot about this as well. Mm. Um, there's actually two explicit uh, PvP areas in Dark Souls Two where you can use uh, an item called a Pharos's Lockstone to create traps. So you you kind of create this little uh, like almost funhouse zone with with different traps that you can summon people into, and they can kind of fight you on your own turf like through this gauntlet. Uh, that you've, you kind of a little mildly customized. Like you, it's all binary. You just turn things that already exist on or off. Uh, right. You don't get to move anything. It's not, you know, like Fallout 4 style base building or anything. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's explicitly for that. And there are covenants you can join, um, which are a way of aligning yourself with certain like in-game factions, uh, in the game that explicitly are for that type of multiplayer. Um, yeah. They're just very creative. It's, Super deep, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that is. I never really got um, explored any of any of that with both games. Really, I think I did a bit of invading and you know helping people out in the first game. Didn't really do it with the second one because um, I was just knackered. Mm-hmm. <laughs> by, by yeah. the end of it. I was like, I'm kind of done with this for a bit. Um, one of the other things which is which is new is that enemies now have a uh, limited respawn, um, which I was in two minds about. I suppose it's good. Uh, because if I'm having a hard time with something and I'm dying a lot, which that did happen, then mm-hmm. the more I'm going through it, the easier it's getting in theory. But for some, but for some reason, I just felt like I was failing. Like if there was like mm-hmm. a gap where there was like an enemy or something, I'm just like, it's like the guy has given up. <laughs> He's given up mm-hmm. on me. That like, the enemies are like, I'm not going back. I'm not going back there against the same idiot again and again. Forget yeah, it. I, I, <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're not going to take this seriously, I'm not going to take this seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, um, well, again, that kind of like modular uh, nature of the game where they put it in player control. Like, uh, so if, you know, you can depopulate an area, some people do it on purpose. Sometimes it happens naturally. But then another thing that's unique to Dark Souls 2 that's not in the rest of the series is an item called a, a bonfire acidic. Uh, acidic, acidic, which allows yeah. you to respawn everything um, at, at a slightly tougher, but not incomprehensibly tougher level mm. um, that you can burn at a bonfire and you'll get everything back and it will be worth more souls and have, uh, you know, have their new game plus uh, drops. Uh, it basically shunts a new game plus enemy into your, your base game. Mm. So they, they give you some dominion over that, which I think is just, uh, again, very cool. Like you can, you can depopulate it if you want to, if you do that on accident, you can undo it. Um, there's a lot of player control involved in dark souls too. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of times where, um, and I'll kind of go into it a bit later, but where just having it becoming gradually depopulated did help me a lot because mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know how I could get through some of the bits like without having those initial enemies like out the way, not having to worry mm-hmm. about them. Um, but yeah, this, it was an interesting part that, you know, and I remember the first time it happened, I think it was in um, Hades, Hades uh, um, Tower, Mm-hmm. Uh, the Tower of Flame. Um, when, yeah, like, so I respawned from the bonfire and I'm like, oh, I think it's that first one that's like down the side of the cliff. And as soon as you go up the stairs, he's like there. There's like the one of those big old um, night things. And I remember going up and like looking around and being like, okay, <laughs> like, have I just glitched something out? And then it was only that I started realizing that some of these guys are like, dead (laughs) yeah they're they're missing yeah it's very surreal because uh one of the things um about 
the Dark Souls series of games that make it have the particular feel it has is uh, the enemy placement and and such are uh, enemies don't tend to move. Some of them have kind of short patrols, and they would do more of this later in the in the series. But uh, they tend to just be kind of static, and they're agnostic uh, to your presence in a way. Like they are just there. It's just the world. It's this unchanging thing. Um, like I felt in some ways there are portions of it that feel very uh, strategic and almost like chess-like um, because you can see the enemy. It doesn't tend to aggro when you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, its range is smaller. So you can kind of plan your approach, uh, things like that. And the world, the fact that when you die, enemies just walk away from you uh, and then it just comes back. Um, is part of that kind of feeling of almost like agnosticism to your presence. Yeah. Uh, you know, obviously they're very aggressive once they get in that range, but when an enemy disappears, it feels like it violates one of like the, f- the, the fundamental rules of the game. Yeah. That's interesting actually thinking about yeah. it like that. Um, yeah, I just remember it was just such a weird shock, <laughs> shock when mm-hmm. it first happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll briefly talk about the plot or how I have understood the plot or what I've garnered from different um sources uh so like the game before um it's got an interesting introduction scene where basically a lot of the exposition um is played out uh so i'm gonna let's have a listen to that perhaps you've seen it maybe in a dream a murky forgotten land place where souls may mend your ailing mind. You will lose everything once branded. The symbol of the curse. An augur of darkness. Your past, your future, your very light. None will have meaning and you won't even care. By then, you'll be something other than human. A thing that feeds on souls, a hollow. Long ago, in a walled-off land far to the north, a great king built a great kingdom. I believe they called it Drang Lake. Perhaps you're familiar. No, how could you be? But one day... You will stand before its decrepit gate without really knowing why.
a moth drawn to a flame. Your wings will burn in anguish. Time after time. Is your fate the fate of the cursed? Uh, so the idea here is that you and please tell me if I'm if I'm wrong with any of this, or if I know there's. It's up for interpretation, but how I understood it was that it seems as if you're forgetting your family because you're cursed and mm -hmm. you're drawn through this vortex thing where you end up in things betwixt. Um, you mm -hmm. meet three old uh, firekeepers who basically heckle you. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And then you make your way through um, to... Uh, well, you're in Drangelic in terms of the kingdom, um, but uh, I've forgotten what that area is called. Majula? Dr Dr uh, Majula, yeah. Majula, so Drang, yeah. Drang Lake and then uh, Majula is your, your hub area. Yeah. And that's where the Emerald Herald is. And mm -hmm. in order to break this curse, you're basically told to seek King Vendrick. And that's your kind of mission, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I don't really... So I don't really understand where you've started. <laughs> like, where... What, what is this vortex? What, are you traveling through time and space to get to this place? Um, yeah, the, it, the, vo the vortex is tricky. So, like, to, to understand um, the, the Dark Souls 2 story, there's, like, a couple things that are I think are really important. Um, one of which is to know that the game had a very troubled development, okay. uh, and the story was uh, basically rewritten partway through. So there are things that were uh, – there are remnants – of that first story. And that's tends to be how I think of the, the portal and the vortex in the beginning, because you know, you in this game, you are a character, but for the, for theming purposes and for what ultimately the story is going to be about, um, you are again, kind of anonymous. Um, it, it's a game where it is, uh, concerned with, uh, you kind of going through these motions of almost this prophecy or cycle uh, that the the world and all of the worlds of this cosmology are trapped in. Right. You know, so if, you know, when you talked about Dark Souls 1, you talked about, you know, that cycle that, you know, Dark Souls 1 starts when the flame is fading uh, and that, and we, uh, that's when the curse comes about. Um, that's what's happening here. And right. whenever the, the flame is fading, um, someone needs to kind of kickstart the cycle again. Uh, basically, and that is that's what you're doing in this game. Um, the the game, like obliquely, characters in the game will make reference to the fact that you don't know what you're doing and why you're moving forward. Yeah. Um, you know, characters will say uh, you'll end up at the, the gates of this and you won't understand why. It's one of the first things the game tells you. Uh, and at first, that can feel very unsatisfying from kind of a liter uh, literal perspective. And I've come to to really appreciate that as a thing where uh, it doesn't matter which uh, cursed undead I am. Um, it is just someone's job to go uh, and rekindle this flame. In this game, as opposed to it literally being a, a fire, um, you're going and you're sitting on something called the Throne of Want, 
um, to uh, kind of, again, restart this cycle um, that, that's happening again or continue this cycle. Yeah, it's interesting because when I remember, that, yeah, the, the old woman or whatever at the beginning saying, um, yeah, you'll get to the gates, you never realise why you're there, and coming straight off the back of Dark Souls 1 where I had no idea what the plot was basically <laughs> as I was playing it yeah. until afterwards. I was like, yeah, that that will probably happen <laughs> there, because a- I know most of the story is in this introduction <laughs> scene and I know that by the time I get to the end, I'm just going to be like, what's going, what's going on? The- they're they're difficult games to keep a, a finger on the plot the whole time you're playing through. And when I play a new one, I generally don't try. Mm. Um, I kind of sit back and I, I kind of uh, it's akin to like a magic eye. Yeah, you know, one of those uh, paintings where you just kind of relax your eyes. I try to do that and see if something forms, and then I start reading text after I beat the game. And by text, I mean going over uh, character dialogues, reading item descriptions and things like that. But I give myself that first run through to be very confused. Mm -hmm. And um, in Dark Souls 1, there's an element of like a bait and switch. Um, Like uh, very early on, you're told about this prophecy, you know, where the chosen undead will leave the asylum and uh, go ring the two bells and such. And then you find out there's a lot more to it. In Dark Dark Souls 2, the idea I think is that they've zoomed out a little bit there are all those kind of trappings, you know, seek the, the Lord souls, get past the shrine of winter, find King Vendrick. But all of that stuff is kind of hand waving because like in Dark Souls one, it ultimately kind of doesn't matter. You know, you're, the, the cycle, you are trapped in the cycle, you are going through the motions. And it's one of the things where, uh, you know, not to jump ahead too much, but when the DLC for Dark Souls 2 came out, I found it to be something that really tied the story together very well. Yeah. Um, because it does introduce this alternative where it's like, hey, actually, we can keep trying to seek. We don't have to either do, you know, rekindle the the flame or let it burn out and do an Age of Dark. Let's keep trying to find something different hmm. uh, as like another ending uh, there, which is still a question mark. It doesn't say what that other different thing is, but it does introduce the possibility of trying, you know, continuing the the struggle. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm very much the same with, you know, I mean, I purposefully didn't really know what was going on in Dark Souls 1, but with this one, again, I was like, because I was aware of all the, mm-hmm. um, the fact that, you know, a lot of the plot is in the weird, like, archaic kind of language of the dialogue and um, the item descriptions and stuff like that. I was like, well, you know, I'll just casually keep an eye out for it. You know, I'll talk to whatever, but... um I'm not going to go too crazy actively, you know, searching for, um, for answers, you know, whilst I'm playing it or anything like that. So, I mean, when I was listening to you guys, for instance, I made a point of doing that after I'd completed the game so that I could, Mm -hmm. I was almost like reliving it and then also like reading up about it at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. which I found, you know, yeah, you've kind of got that purity, right. Of kind of going into it fresh and, you know, I suppose you can, go into it in more detail, but I quite like to think like, let's just play the game. Yeah. <laughs> we play yeah. the game and enjoy it. And then I can do my homework afterwards. Yeah. Well, and you're still, when that first, first playthrough, you're still focusing on things. You're, you're focusing on the mechanical side of the game, mm. you know, which, which is still very important and, and a, a huge part of it. Yeah. Um, so in terms of the rest of the plot, um, because most of it is talking about what's happened before that point, um, that you've you've come in, you basically find out that uh, King Vendrick um, vanquished four great souls and built the kingdom um, upon them, uh, which I think is supposed to be a link. I mean, there's a lot of subtle links to the first Dark Souls. It doesn't seem to be like, um, you know, a direct 
reference. They just hint at it every now and then, it seems like. Um, mm-hmm. You see there was, a, there was a huge war with the giants, um, and that was because this evil queen, who you find out is a, a daughter of the abyss, so basically she's evil, um, I think had essentially planned it all and told him to cross the seas and defeat the giants. And uh, when Vendrick went there, he brought back some great power, and the giants followed um are we told what this great power is at any point uh not not explicitly um the the kind of prevailing theory and and also what what i think um is it is the uh the ability to uh so one uh possibly the throne of want okay right like when we actually get to the end um it is a big chair that has a smaller human sized chair carved into it mm-hmm. which would imply at one point it was possibly for a giant um and then also uh vendrick at some point gains the ability to kind of create these golems like manipulate soul energy right. to make these automata um and that would be an explanation for how he was able to rise to prominence and build his kingdom you know on the, on the backs of this uh the, these this unfeeling labor yeah, so it's one or both of those. Yeah, those um, they're funny. I mean, I'll come on to it a bit later, but um, it took me ages. I think when you're going into uh, the the castle um, and to open the door, you have to basically kill um, mm-hmm. you know underlings essentially uh, close to it. And I just it took me. I just couldn't figure it out for ages. I was just like, sometimes the door would open, I'd go through and and die, and then sometimes I'm like, how many of these people? I got to keep coming, <laughs> coming yeah. at me on this platform. Um, yeah. And that's how the golems operate, right? Is that you kind of basically have to kill someone near them, essentially, which I was about to say, which turns them on. <laughs> yeah. The, the souls that would go into your currency that would go into your wallet. Yeah. Uh, instead go into the, the golem and power them. Yeah. Which is which better is kind of than the- saying turns them on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's, it is hard to see, right? Because you, uh, the signaling is that the little energy thing that maybe you've never noticed till all game, like when you kill an enemy that, that pops at you, uh, mm-hmm. instead goes somewhere else, but you're controlling your camera. You're playing an action game. It's not cinematically presented. So it's not like the devs can show you what they want you to see. Yeah. You know, so it's easy to miss. Yeah. And miss it, I did. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> this, uh, and then there's a curse. A curse uh, has taken over the kingdom. Uh, the king seems to try many different things to help cure it. Um, his brother, Aldia, starts experimenting in morally dubious means in order to find this cure. Um, and then we're told that Fendrick just basically ups and disappears. And, th- well, you find out basically that, you know, spoilers, um, which this whole episode will be anyway, um, <laughs> the, uh, the end game becomes a bit um, long, let's say, because he's basically trying to create obstacles, right? So this evil queen can't take power because she's the daughter of the abyss and she's bad. Um, she's very pretty though. Uh, yeah, no, yeah. Yeah. Up until, up until that final bit. Yeah. <laughs> well, even then. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what I was thinking it was in, in a really, you know, big nutshell. Um, would I be correct? Yeah. That, yeah. That, uh, that, that's correct. Like it is, um, it is a lot of, you know, again, kind of furniture moving, uh, insert, you know, that is a little bit of kind of, um, you know, once you know the scale and that this is like, is a cycle that's, you know, 
played over and over. You mentioned that um, he built his kingdom on top of these other kingdoms. Um, when you look at items and things, there are references to just kingdom after kingdom. There are characters who say, you know, countless kingdoms have risen and fallen. This is millennia after the first game, but in the same basic area. Mm. Um, and, uh, the cycle has continued to go like it has continued to, to roll. We have had ages of light. We've had ages of dark over and over. And what you're basically learning when you're learning about, uh, Vendrick is him, you know, in the first game, Gwyn sacrificed himself at the kiln to prolong the age of light, uh, the age of fire. Um, here Vendrick is trying to stop Nishandra is his queen from getting to the throne and starting the age of dark. Yeah. So he's doing all these things and he is not taking the throne because he is, you know, she's manipulating him. We eventually do find him and he has, he's locked himself in a, a chamber with a guardian outside to stop her from getting to him. Uh, and you know, is hollow, you know, which is in this game, it's when you're, you're a zombie basically in yeah. the series. Um, his soul is locked somewhere else. Uh, that's also really heavily guarded. He has tried to stop her, uh, from from being able to gain access to this chamber. And you uh, do get access to this chamber, which would be horrible if you weren't able to defeat her. Um, but you are able to defeat her and are able to kind of save the day. So you, you sit on the chair rather than her sitting on the chair, which would definitely give the Age of Dark. But again, you also learn through this that it's a cycle. So if it is an Age of Dark, that only, you know, that doesn't really matter because there'll always be a little bit of an ember. It will always grow back to yeah. a flame. Yeah. It's interesting. I like the way they're stuck in this perpetual medieval. <laughs> the, mm-hmm. Like the society doesn't seem to progress to like mobile phones. Yeah, no one's invented the gun yeah. uh, until Bloodborne. The um, which is not in the same continuity. I'm just just joking. Yeah. But the um, when it, yeah, I I really like that they are uh, stuck. And what them being stuck means is that, and I think that Dark Souls 2 functions best as this, um, almost as like a short story collection of people who are involved in this kind of cosmic trap. Mm-hmm. Because since you're on top of all these kingdoms, you learn about how all of these different kingdoms reacted to the cycle. So like when you go to the, um, the Huntsman's Copes, um, you, uh, you learn about this, this king who, when the undead started showing up, he tortured them. And we saw this evidence of this. There are jail cells. He has that executioner's chariot boss, which is set. It's literally an undead horse that runs in circles, running over the undead for eternity. Yeah. Like an eternity of being uh, tortured. Um, that's how he reacted to this, this outbreak. Um, you know, so we, we learn how these different cultures reacted. Uh, to it, and I think that stuff is really cool, mm. uh, and that that's unique to to Dark Souls too. Like we don't get multiple stories in any of the other entries; we just know how the current uh, culture deals with that. It's interesting, actually, because yeah, I, I come onto that. Um, made a little note here a bit later of like <laughs> the executioner's like chariot thing. It's like, man, does that just <laughs> it just keeps going? Keeps it just going. keeps going. That poor horse. What, like well, that poor horse, that poor, poor, poor driver, that, those poor people. But there's a point like, I, was, I was thinking, like, why, is he, why does it need a driver? You'd be constantly like, you feel sick after a while. Um, <laughs> but like the idea, it's like, no, that's your job. You have to make sure they yeah. just keep going. Keep very going like forward. Sisyphusian. Yeah. Huh? It's very like Sisyphusian. Like it's very like, you know, the eternal, mm. like mythic, like a, a eternal yeah. task. Yeah. The, yeah, the pushing up, mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm watching it go back down, but this instead it's um, 
running in a circle. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I thought we'd go through just a really, uh, it's a huge game, but just a really kind of brief, um, you know, breakneck speed walkthrough um, of the game, but just kind of going through the areas and the different bosses. Um, and I'll try not to linger too much on stuff because it is massive. <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, and if you guys do want uh, more detail, if there's certain areas or more bits about, then I obviously highly recommend if you go um, to Gary's Bonfire Side Chat and you can check out the specific episodes and they're all like neatly labelled, so the different areas and all this stuff. Um, So yeah, if there's an area you want to hear more about or if you're at a certain point in the game or something like that, then yeah, you can kind of get a bit more of a deep dive on um, those areas there. Um. Because it's, yeah, a billion times more in depth than what we're about to do. Um, so, yeah, so when, so Gary, when you set up your character's loadout, what's the first one? What build do you usually go for? I, I, yeah, I've, done, I've done a bunch of them, you know, so I, I don't have a, a standard one. Um, the Probably the most fun that I've had uh, through the game uh, was doing a hex caster. Yeah. Um, so it's one of the types of magic in this, uh, and that ca- that case, I start as a, as a priest um, for that, and you uh, you head to you kind of do the areas out of order. You head to Hades, okay, uh, Tower of Flame first because you the uh, the priest the merchant there, uh, you need to murder her to take her things, right? Uh, to get the the hex casters equipment early, okay. So that's interesting. Yeah, I've only I'm really boring. Um, so I've only done the melee strength builds um, and try and make myself basically like a walking tank <laughs> as soon as, yeah, as, no, as possible. Nothing nothing boring about that. I love in uh, Dark Souls 2 where you can uh, dual wield uh, yeah. items and you can do it with anything. So you can get just absolutely, you know, hammers as big as a man uh, and you can have two of them. Yeah. Uh, and that that's immensely satisfying. Yeah. Um, I'm very much a shield <laughs> like a great sword kind of uh, mm-hmm. kind of guy um which means i'm super slow really slow um and i usually towards the end game especially with this one just trying to push all my stats into um uh was it like adaptability and um oh, what's the and basically kind of getting my equip load um, yeah endurance up. yeah endurance so um yeah and that's what i've always gone for i've always been tempted to do a magic build, um, and I did. I did start doing Dark Souls one again as a um, on a you know a, not I can't remember pyromancy. I think it was, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I was like, oh, you know, what, I'm just gonna. It was because I did it right after playing it for the first time. I was like, I'm gonna go into Dark Souls two. So I've not really broached it yet, but um, I enjoy the strength thing. I like the thing of getting in there, getting your hands dirty a bit, and mm-hmm. uh, that's the kind of the way I play it anyway. Um, so yeah, you start off in the things betwixt, which is like this ancient forest. It's a tutorial area essentially. And I remember as soon as I started, I was trying to kill those little animals that are right there mm-hmm. as soon as you wake up. Yeah, and realised I was already out of my depth. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, well, they they do a weird thing about Dark Souls too, is you don't start as your character. Um, you start as this kind of blank slate that's very weak, and then you have to to go in and do the character creation with the uh, the three crones. That's true. Yeah. 
so you know you don't have a weapon you don't have anything uh so it's very those uh, those things are called kobolds right um and it's it, you know it's very difficult to kill those with with just your fist with your your blank slate character yeah well i tried <laughs> i was just thinking stand for them um and i think it came up with an achievement of welcome to dark souls and i was like oh, fuck you <laughs> like why i really should have known better than than, than that um totally overconfident right right from the off um yeah it's really annoying so uh, who exactly are these <laughs> i remember when i went in i was thinking who are these fire keepers like why are they here not guarding their fires for a start apart from the one fire or whatever that's lighting the chimney or whatever and they're they're <laughs> what is this place and why are they giving me such a hard time what's their problem yeah. <laughs> the, the uh well they're they're bad uh bad upbringing yeah uh bad upbringing maybe the, they didn't uh didn't get good sleep yeah um i know i'm always cranky if i don't get a good night to sleep so. i mean i have just walked into their house as well yeah. unannounced yeah, it's, it's like it's a combination of trespassing and low blood sugar <laughs> yeah. uh did it yeah and just so. being old it makes people grumpy <laughs> hey. Absolutely, yeah. But on the plus side, you get to fart with impunity in grocery stores if the old people around here are anything to uh, to go by. So or, I do it now. Yeah. <laughs> You're ahead of your time. Yeah, yeah. That's not exclusive for old people. Yeah. I didn't know. Yeah. What a revelation! It's a safe way. Um. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. That so that they give you a bit more of context of the story. They're like, and that's where you, as you said, you do your character creation and then you're out, you're out and you're free and you're learning how to, um, to attack and defend and all this stuff in these little trees <laughs> to mm-hmm. the side, which is just, I find a bit, found a bit weird. And obviously like coming from the first game and it's all like fog doors. I was like, you know, I'm not going you're to gonna fight a boss. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think that's like, there's enough of them. So not, not yeah. sure. Um, and basically you work your way through to Medulla, which as you said, is your base. It's by the ocean. It's very serene. It's got some nice music. And this is where, yeah, the Emerald Herald is who levels you up. Um, and everything's kind of here. You, you get a key later on that opens up this blacksmith who upgrades your weapons. Um, and, uh, you know, you burn your Esther shards and which is essentially your health potion. You can upgrade that. Uh, there's a merchant here who I believe the more you buy from, the richer and more arrogant yeah. he gets. It, it's great. His clothing gets nicer and his posture gets more more relaxed. He turns into more of a jerk. Which is great because uh, he starts off yeah. like all like, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, um, well, then there's uh, uh, what is it? Is it? It's not El, El, uh, Sweet Shelkior, the cat merchant as well in the, the first town. Is it? I don't yeah. know if I saw him, Sasha. Oh, there, there's a there's a town, or there's there's two houses at the end, kind of across the the giant pit. Uh, the one on the left is the mansion um, that uh, you had to go get the key for, but the house yeah. on the right, if you go in it, there's a cat uh, you can talk to that's also a merchant. I don't think I ever uh, met this cat. Yeah, she's she's a great great character, Shellcure. Okay, uh, good items. Oh. Um, you, you get a couple of things that are really useful. Um, some of them are just PVP, but the big thing I always buy from her is there's a ring called the, uh, like the, the cat ring, which, uh, almost gets rid of fall damage. Okay. Um, that so that, that's interesting because there, there's a, if you, if you never talked to her and got that, um, so that, that giant pit leads to a later area in the game and there's, you know, depending on when you want to go down there, there's two ways to do it. Um, if you get the, the ring, you can get the silver cat ring. You can go down early. Otherwise, you have to wait to meet the uh, ladder smith. Yeah, which is what I, there, did. Which, I which I imagine you did. Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and I was a bit confused about like how much I was supposed to pay him. And I got the small <laughs> ladder. I was like, why would I mm-hmm. give him more money? I got the small ladder and then immediately died. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's why. <laughs> what a bastard. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and there's also, I should say, uh, yeah, because you've got your Estes Farts, which are essentially health potions, but you're also in this, in this game, different from the first one, you have life gems, um, which are essentially a, a limited resource of health. They're a consumable um and you know you refill your estus flask at these bonfires when you rest there but yeah life gems are an actual item um and they fill your health bar up slower but by the end of the game i had to i was like i'm a hoarder is the problem so by the end of the game i had tons of them um which was actually quite beneficial because a lot of the stuff in the dlc i needed them um a lot for but uh yeah i thought that was quite an interesting at first i was a bit like Oh, there's another thing to deal with. You know, there's already so much yeah. going on in my head. Um, but actually, it was quite. They were quite useful. I found in the end. It, yeah, it it supports the the design. So it, it's something that um, you know, in Dark Souls One, um, you start with your five Estes flask, and you're making your way between bonfires uh, or through a boss. And the Estes flask you have kind of represent a number of mistakes uh, you can make just along the way, kind of holistically. Um, number of times you get hit. In Dark Souls 2, you have those Estus flasks, which heal you a lot, and they do it quickly. You also have life gems, which are cheap and plentiful, but heal you very slowly. And those are there to make, you know, to ensure that in, in any individual encounter, you can go into that smaller kind of encounter at full strength. Um, you know, if you get through the encounter, you survive, you get to pop a life gem, go to the next encounter at full strength, and you use the Estus to kind of emergency heal. Right. Uh, so it's kind of a focus as opposed to kind of a longer, more spread out gauntlet. It's more individual, shorter, more intense encounters along the way. And you'll, you'll find that in the, the kind of encounter design because enemies will be, uh, grouped in kind of bigger mobs, uh, in Dark Souls 2, uh, with sometimes with more space between them. And that's a, a function of the heal, or that's, you know, those two things play into each other, the healing system and the, the encounter design. Because right, I totally didn't use it like that. <laughs> I was yeah, just no, using I mean, it, the Estus flasks, yeah, like because it's like that's infinite. If you know what I mean, obviously mm-hmm. not really, but um, but yeah, I can kind of see how they've put I, that together. That, that, that's a guess, right? Like that's as you know, me putting on my game design hat. That's yeah, the best thing sense. I can I can think of. Mm. Um, but yeah, obviously, there's no governing body. Like you could actually play through the game however you like. Yeah. Um, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> well, I will. <laughs> you just watch me. Um, so I did have a, I did have a real problem with the walking uh, walking with the warping back here to level up rather than doing it at any bonfire like the first mm-hmm. game. Um, and I think the main the main reason not only was it like a time sink basically in terms of you know that literally the amount of time it takes for you to walk there, do your thing, walk back, but also because it just kind of interrupted the flow of what i was doing and the certain tone that certain areas might be trying to invoke i mean sometimes it was like a welcome respite but um yeah i was just like it's like this weird little holiday break in the middle of of the action Uh, what did you think about it um i i I also don't like it um it's something it it is what they what you have to do in demon souls um as well uh and in dark souls 3 Dark Souls 1 is the only game in the series, uh, and in Bloodborne. Dark Souls 1 is the only one that allows you to level up at any 
any bonfire. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's, it's a mistake. Um, I, if I, if I had to guess what they're going for is they really want you to feel like, uh, Majula is this home base and kind of enforce this, uh, this feeling of taking a break and kind of quiet time and relaxation, but forcing me to do that, uh, doesn't work for me. And I, I found it pretty annoying. Yeah. So same. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so after you, you and Majula, um, and we'll, we'll speed up with the rest of them. We won't take that long. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> every single area um <laughs> you go to the the forest of fallen giants um and again it, as as goes saying it's um very it's quite open so you can essentially kind of go where you need to go i'm going to try to and put these together loosely narratively how they function um and how i encountered them as well but there's no like right or wrong answer um, mm-hmm. as such so uh but the forest of fallen giants is usually where you go next and it feels quite a big area um and i'd spent a lot of time here because obviously it's an early early level and you die a lot um and it's a forest basically that leads to a castle that looks like it's been through the wars literally there's like huge swords embedded in the side which is cool obviously where they've had the fight with the giants um and there's a lot of doors and passageways um to things you can't open yet it's got a cool it's probably got my favorite shortcut maybe of the game here and i think maybe because it was so early on that it might be my favorite if that makes sense um Mm -hmm. and which is where you go down the ladder and you kind of do like a circle you come back by those that weird courtyard of exploding barrels oh sure yeah Yeah. um once you get through there then yeah then you find a, a shortcut which is cool um and it's in this area that you take on uh the first boss the last giant um, who has a bum hole for a face. <laughs> do, the, the giants in this uh, do have gigantic uh, anus faces <laughs> for, for for some reason, and I, and I do not do not know why. Yeah, it's really uh, weird. It, it, it's it, your job to give them squeaky bum. Like you have, you've got to uh, to fight them until they get nervous. Yeah. So, when, yeah. He, when we turned up, when he saw this guy walk in, <laughs> he had squeaky face time as well. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So I've learned. Um, he's got a collection of swords on his back, like a hedgehog, I thought at first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a fairly easy fight. Um, it's a bit sad and it reminded me actually that a shadow of the Colossus, um, or Colonosus, mm-hmm. <laughs> just a bad mm-hmm. joke I stuck in there, which made me laugh. Um, <laughs> and he even rips his own arm off as a, as a final attempt to destroy you. Um, and, uh, there's puns you can make for that, that he gave himself a hand. Um, he arms himself. Uh, yeah. And if it was, I thought it was a pretty good first boss, to be honest, it wasn't too difficult. It felt quite epic. Um, and yeah, it was quite a good, good start. I thought, um, and it plays in a bit later because people say that there's a giant that you face later on, which you'll get to, and that this is the same giant. Yeah. So he recognizes you. Yeah. That's why, that's why he hates you so much. Yeah, you know, which is, which is super cool, and he plays. You know, if you contrast him with like the asylum demon, right, in the first one, like mm. he, this this guy plays into the world a lot more. Like we we spent the whole time, uh, you know, the asylum demon is a demon that's set there to stop people from getting out, but the demons are not on the same side as the people who set up the asylum in Dark Souls One. It feels you know slightly more arbitrary in in this game. 
you know, we've gone through the area of this battle where people were fighting the giants. We'll come back to this area later, back in time. Mm. Uh, and we actually see the final giant that was the, the part of this war. Like, it's called the Forest of Fallen Giants. Like, we, uh, we're, my favorite thing that the series can do is you explore an area that tells a story and then you, like, learn about someone. And then that person is the boss and you've already kind of seen their works. Yeah. Like, you you walk through and you get a good idea of what they are and who they are in the world. Yeah, that's really nice. Um, yeah, yeah, and the the next boss I probably ha- um, had the biggest problem with, which was the uh, pursuer, um, and I did actually meet him before because like, he gets yeah. he gets dropped down by an eagle, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like a superhero or something, or like an Iron Man, and um, yeah. and he killed me immediately, and so I just it took ages for me to kill this guy. Um, I don't think he was necessarily difficult. I just don't, I had to go away and grind a little bit to come back a bit stronger and have like better equipment basically. Um, but yeah, he's a, he's like a purely melee character. Um, and there are like those crossbow things that you could try killing him with, but I didn't do that. And also I didn't want to use a human effigy and summon someone yet. I was like that thing of like, I'm going to do it by myself. (laughs) not gonna have anyone help me um yeah getting really angry about it uh but it was a, it was an all right boss fight i thought it's actually felt quite appropriate for that point in the game and he does constantly keep coming back as well throughout which is pretty cool um, it's, it's a cool surprise mm. like when he bubbles up from the ground and, and i think he's a really great presentation yeah like i think he looks looks cool uh it's good armor good good sword cool shield um yeah yeah he's a good one um yeah and it really freaked me out the first time i can't remember where it was but like when he came up from the ground i was like mm-hmm. i don't need this right now <laughs> <laughs> well you can run yeah which uh, is he, good. yeah he'll only fight you in that area he's yeah he's uh but in that's a scholar change in the original version he only showed up in a couple areas but they added some okay. in this where he actually does pursue you he also tries to like piss off basically when he's mm-hmm. getting low on health which is really annoying um <laughs> and it's like you know Come back, I want your souls. <laughs> Bastard. Um, so after that, um, well, I actually got, I remember getting taken by the seagull and taken to the Lost Bastille um, and being a bit like, I'm going to go back. <laughs> like, I'm not not ready for this You don't want a sequence yet. break. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I was like, I'm not really sure what, what's happening here. So I thought, well, I'll go back. And I did, um, went back to Medjula and I did the high... How do you say it? Hades? Hades? Hades. Hades. Okay. Yep. Um, Hades. <laughs> <laughs> yeah like a sweet swedish um <laughs> tower of flame <laughs> a very blonde pretty pretty girl um heidi's tower of flame and yeah so yeah we talked about that a little bit um and then you fight the dragon rider um and he fights you with the spear and shield it's another kind of melee thing and that's something that um i thought was pretty cool but i read later that people had a problem with is that it's a lot of um you know, melee boss fights, basically. It seemed people didn't really enjoy that much where it's like a lot of people with like swords and a shield or a spear and a shield and all that. Um, yeah. Yeah. But I quite liked it. Yeah. Me, me too. I, I like, I, th- I think the combat is at its best when you're fighting somebody whose abilities are at least a little close to your own, mm. you know, so somebody who, who does, and they're, they're easy to read. Yeah. You know, I, I think that in the series, um, the worst boss fights are the ones where the camera gets in your way uh, or you're fighting some kind of very gigantic beast and you uh, you can't see every part of it. Mm. So you get hit from things that are essentially off camera. 
um, you know, because you can't read the attacks. If you're just fighting a, a, a fella, um, at the very least, you know what they're doing. Yeah. You and know? especially with this one, like, he's quite slow, signposts his moves quite early, I feel like. So he doesn't really cause that much of a problem for me, I felt like. Um, and then, yeah, so for the next bit, I um, went back basically and did something else because there was just this huge dragon which kept killing me immediately. And I think that was a scholar of the first sin change, right? That there was this mm-hmm. dragon at the other side, outside the cathedral. Um, but uh, for the continuity's sake, um, there's a dragon which <laughs> you kill and mm-hmm. you go through and um, you take on the old dragon slayer, <laughs> the dragon slayer's dad or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but is this people say this is on, is it Ornstein? Yeah, yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Do we know so it's it, not, it's just hinted at, right? We don't, it's not like a fact. Yeah, you, you pick up his, his soul and, and it's different. There's a lot of kind of back and forth about this because in, when we fight Ornstein, who's like one of the major bosses from Dark Souls 1, it is a, uh, you know, the, the area you fight him in in Orlando is under an illusion, you know, so we don't totally know. Um, exactly. And then there are things in Dark Souls 3 that refer to Ornstein that pretty much imply that this is a fake. Um, the, the best way I can think of it is as like an Easter egg. Right. You know, I, I was pretty into it actually being Ornstein initially until kind of later text contradicted that. Okay. I think so. it's quite interesting that there are dragon slayers and yet there's one just like right outside his door. <laughs> yeah. He's, you're not doing a very good job. That's how you can tell he's a fake Ornstein. <laughs> yeah. Is the, <laughs> Yeah. I like the idea that, you know, instead of going out and slaying it, he's like made, made peace with it. And they're friends now. Yeah. A bit like um, Clint Eastwood, I was thinking, in Gran Torino or something. <laughs> sure. And at the end of the, after the fight, he sits down on a piano and he sings a song called Ornstein. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is about what he just did. Exactly. So, when, when someone first, I've never seen Gran Torino, but when someone first uh, told me that it ends with, Clint Eastwood singing a song about the movie. Yeah. It's right. Written, like it's written it, by his son, I want to say, or something I, like that as well. I, I, I did true. not believe them for anything. I was like, Oh, that's fake. Like you're, you're, you're pulling my leg. <laughs> and then I looked it up on YouTube and I, I was howling. Like, it's very yeah. funny to me that, that that's how that movie ends. Yeah. It is really, it's yeah. a really weird movie in, yeah, not to get too uh, far into it, but, um, it's like, you know, racist can be okay too. <laughs> not that yeah, what, what, that message has not aged super well. Yeah. The, um, yeah. But I kind of like, yeah. I was like, at the time, I was like, okay, you know, kind of white old man who's like a, you know, racist and it's his own way or whatever. And then, and then he's actually learned, you know, oh, you know, the ethnic communities are humans too. And it's like, mm. yeah, like, am I supposed to sympathize <laughs> with him? I guess. Like, and then he's like, now he's like a hero. Okay. Uh, yeah. Because uh, he's got like a gun and he doesn't really care and he's Clint Eastwood. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I've only seen it the once years ago. Um, but yeah. So sorry. So <laughs> <laughs> um, No Man's Wolf, uh, I did next. And I did the entirety of this up until the boss battle in one go without dying or using another bonfire. I don't even know if there is another bonfire. Um, and I didn't use the stone, the Ferris stone thing in the middle, uh, which I didn't find out about till afterwards. So I was going through it. It's like pitch black, mm. basically, and slowly taking on these monsters, thinking, 
Where the fuck is that bonfire? Because <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I have now been the, playing for like I feel like a, over an hour, <laughs> and I'm like hanging by yeah. a thread here. Um, it, it's like it, like probably the longest area in the game, or at least longest stretch between bonfires. Like there, there's not a second one, and they, uh, you know, there's a shortcut. There's a way to get back to the first bonfire, but there's not there's not a second one. Yeah, so that's so. where I I actually died on the way back, if that makes sense. So luckily enough. That was right by that bonfire, so I could easily just go and pick up all the stuff, all the souls mm-hmm. that I'd collected. Um, but yeah, it's like this weird like pirate <laughs> port <laughs> with these cool like hideous creatures, um, which I actually quite quite liked. Um, and then yeah, this boat comes in and you take on uh, the, the Flexile Sentry, I believe it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one of the bosses that I think I did on my first go, um, and I found him qu- quite easy. I thought he looked quite cool. I like the way mm-hmm. he's like a Siamese twin. And I'm always thinking, what's the other side of him thinking? <laughs> just staring yeah, yeah. at the roof. <laughs> just along for the ride. Yeah, just like looking yeah. at the back of the world going, when's it my turn? <laughs> yeah, we're, we're waiting, for, waiting for Mace time. Yeah. yeah. I like the idea that there's like, yeah, they could have their own spin-off, like a, um, a comedy like Stuck on You, but in the Dark Souls <laughs> <laughs> world. <laughs> They're just trying to survive. Um but that's fairly easy. And then you can also... So this is another way of getting to the Lost Bastille. Um, mm-hmm. And I didn't really particularly like this place, to be honest. Um, I thought it was a bit meh. Like the, there's the dogs that are from the first uh, first Dark Souls, um, those weird big idiots kind of lumbering around. Um, but yeah, it's... Look like Dark Man. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they do. Yeah. Um, and yeah, especially when you have to open that door to get to the uh the boss the ruined sentinels yeah, the, the, the clown car like all the uh the soldiers royal soldiers pouring yeah, out just absolutely did my head in after all yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm still having i'm still having flashbacks of it and I, was, and I remember like by the end and this is kind of what i ended up doing for especially a lot towards the end of the game is i would just leg it down to the ladder that kind of around to the ladder that led up and basically went through that way if that makes it basically ran away essentially just run around, yeah. ran around them because um, i was just getting sick of it uh but the the ruined sentinels fight I actually quite liked i like the idea I, that there's three of them um yeah i, I love this fight and mm. it's, it's one of my favorite music tracks uh, uh in the game yeah i have to listen yeah. back to uh, it big, big uh big french horn energy right and that song yeah um and it took me a couple of goes i think i summoned someone to begin with and then ended up just doing it by myself. Um, and I, yeah, it felt like it was like a real, I mean, every boss battle was a stamina management one, but with this one, just the way they were moving and all this stuff, I was like, I can do this by myself if I'm just keeping my toes a bit and you kind of don't go on the ground, um, you know, straight away. Uh, and yeah, I quite, I quite enjoyed that fight and it felt a bit, um, it felt tough. Like when I finished it, I was like, yeah, that really like, you know, pat myself on the back kind of thing. Um, with that one. Um, so yeah, you make your way from there. Um, you can go to sinners rise. Uh, and when I played it, there was another flexile sentry at the bottom. That was kind of annoying. Um, and after a while I just ran past, but then you get these like zombies that explode. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the, yeah, again, kind of bandaged uh, characters are kind of these dive bombers. Yeah, mummies, I should kind say. Actually, yeah, mummies. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
yeah, and I think they follow you as well, um, if I remember right. Yeah, yeah, they'll chase. <laughs> yeah. really annoying. Luckily, uh, they, go, they go down pretty quickly, but yeah, those, those guys can be, can be pretty obnoxious, for sure. Yeah, and when there's a few of them, when they start, you know, ganging up, you're just like, you can die pretty quick. Well, like anything in this game, but still. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got the Lost Sinner fight. So uh, she's one of the four powerful souls, I believe, that they talk about, right? The Lord Souls, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and you see the the maggot thing um, and that's from the first game. And what is that? What is that again? I can't remember the, the name of it. It's the, it's like the chaos bug. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, it's from, um, so this is, you know, the four great souls that we fight in dark souls two, um, are influenced or kind of descendants of the, uh, four Lords from dark souls one. Mm. And this is the, uh, this, this prisoner, the lost sinner is, has inherited the, uh, the chaos bug from the, the bed of chaos from uh from the first game right so what do we know about her it's a her right um i think it's a her yeah uh out out of uh most of the p unfortunately like out of the four i think we know the least uh about her um and and my memory is a little bit fuzzy in general like we know that the so this is um you know the lost uh bastille um and sinners rise that is where the undead were being carted off uh from nomad's wharf okay you know, so she she is a prisoner from again another kind of culture's uh, desire to to round up and deal with the undead, similar to how they did in Dark Souls One. And you you woke up in a jail, um, you know. Uh, but we don't know a lot, at least as far as my memory goes. And it's it's been a while since I've uh, been kind of deep in the text, but uh, we don't know a lot about that specific culture. Right. Um, the, uh, I believe that this one might be concurrent. I think this might be actually uh, part of Vendrick's current kingdom. And the reason I think so is because he also has Ruin Sentinels Okay. Um, in, in his castle. Yeah, he does. Uh, in Dragon yeah. Lake Castle. So I think that this might actually be what Vendrick is doing with the undead while him and his brother try to figure out a cure. Right. Um, so, uh, But other than being a powerful undead uh, who is in this jail, I don't know much more about the Lost Center. Yeah, uh, it was... It was a good battle, I think, as well, by this point. Um, uh, I found it fairly easy. I think some people had a real problem with it. But again, because it was another melee fight and I was kind of used to that, I didn't really have much of a much of a problem with it by this point. Um, but yeah, I didn't realise again until afterwards that if you, uh, you go get a key or something, you can turn the lights on, basically, mm-hmm. which make it a bit easier. But... Um, yeah, I just did the classic thing of like, just put your shield up, move around, dodge when you need to, and stab in the back, which I feel like is a pretty safe strategy for every single mm-hmm. Dark, Dark Souls yeah. boss. Yeah. The, the kind of, I think the darkness is kind of the gimmick here. Um, you, can, you can turn on the light, but when, when it's dark, it limits your lock-on range. Um, you can't lock on from as far away. Uh, and she'll kind of do these uh, like diving attacks from, from across the room. So... Uh, that's kind of the gimmick, but she isn't, she isn't particularly hard, um, in this, like most of the, um, there's only one of the four principal, uh, kind of like major souls that I find particularly hard on mm. uh, this. For the most part, I find them fairly doable. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's the next bit is the, the Belfry Luna, which I thought was a bit lame to be honest. Um, because essentially it's the gargoyles from the first game, but more of them. And this is and it's part like this where people have their criticisms about it. I'm like, yeah, okay. It's like, let's do what we did in the first game, but throw, yeah. throw more at it. 
Um, and I had to summon people for this because I was just like, there's too much like going on. I was trying to do it methodically and I was like, I can't do this like by myself. I need to get someone in to give me, give me a hand to just take the heat off. Cause once they all, cause there's five of them basically, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they, they, they keep spawning. Yeah. Yeah. It's just there's, there's more than five actually, I think. Um, so like the area leading up to this is one of the, one of the several like kind of PVP, uh, kind of arenas in this. Um, you can have this game essentially where you and the guardians of the, the tower stop people from getting up to the top to ring the bell. Okay. Uh, basically. So it's almost like a, a, a different gameplay mode for PVP, but also happens to have a, a single player boss, right. uh, that, that you can get to up at the top. And yeah, the, the boss is nothing, no great shakes, right? Like they've already done it. And also it's not that creative just to add more bosses. Yeah. Well, as well afterwards, right. after you killed them, I went on, and it's just like a dead end. And I was yeah. like, yeah. there's nothing here. And I think it, there was the Bastille Key was maybe in the first edition or whatever of the game. But yeah, in the school of the first sin thing, I was just like, okay. <laughs> it's yeah. pointless. Um, yeah, so I found that really frustrating, that bit. Um, and so the next bit uh, to talk about is Huntsman's Cops, which you, what is a Cops anyway? Uh, I like a group of trees, a, a small, small group of trees. I'm glad you know. I'm glad you know. <laughs> yeah. I, but to be fair, forever, I always thought it was copes for like my whole, you know, basically my whole life until someone corrected me. So, so I was, I was mispronouncing it forever. Is it what? So what is it supposed to be? Co- uh, cops. Cops is cops. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cops. Um, oh. Different from the TV show. Different from cops. the TV show and the law enforcement. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, organi- uh, principle or, or concept. I like the idea yeah. that there are policemen <laughs> working for a huntsman. <laughs> I, I like that too. I, I would pitch that. Yeah. The, uh, the, the, uh, the huntsman's cops. Yeah. The, uh, Imagine a police force working for dog, the bounty hunter. <laughs> <laughs> is he still making TV shows? I, you know, I don't even know if dog, the bounty hunter is still with us. I think <laughs> oh, that might no. be an all dogs go to heaven kind of situation. Like I think that might, I think I might be gone. I don't right. remember. <laughs> Okay. That so. was, um, I felt like that was big for like six months. <laughs> and yeah. Not so much. Yeah. Yeah. He definitely had an aesthetic. So yeah. like there, there was definitely, uh, you know, the, the kind of poodle haired, uh, wide jean jacket yeah. fella. And I like the way at the end it was all about finding Jesus. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the bounty hunting Jesus. Yeah, exactly. Huge bounty on the JC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> give him a smoke tell them to find god and that was the end of the episode it's great yeah. um see because we don't have that here because you know it would be weird <laughs> yeah 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 it's, it's it's weird here as well right, i promise okay. Good. so um so yeah this uh the huntsman cops i spent a lot of time here mainly because there's that <laughs> this i think it's the second bonfire it's on the ground floor um like under that little weird stone bridge thing whatever I didn't realize there was another bonfire. So every time I wanted to do anything, I kept respawning at that same mm. stupid bonfire. Um, and it was driving me a bit mad. So the first place I went to, um, and the, the enemies here could be quite powerful as well. Um, especially on your way up to the undead purgatory, which is where I went first. Um, and you've got that little runway where they jump down at you. And even if you leg it, um, through, you know, they can still catch up with you. Um, mm-hmm. and one thing, you know, that's that when you get to the undead purgatory, 
um, is that you've got a spirit there who won't let you pass this fog door. So there was a point where I was like trying to battle this spirit and then I can just see behind on this bridge the, <laughs> all the people mm-hmm. that just mm-hmm. run past like chasing me and I'm like, yeah, this isn't going to end well. This isn't going to work. <laughs> yeah. Um, damn it. Uh, but yeah, that, so, you know, I did all that bit. And then, yeah, the executioner, um, uh, executioner's chariot, which, yeah, I thought was pretty cool. And I like the fact that it's like a different enemy that's a bit more puzzle-based. Um mm-hmm. And, yeah, the fact that, you know, you've got this chariot going round, you have to hide in cover, but at the same time there's these skeletons trying to kill you, which can overwhelm you quite quickly, but they're being brought to life by this necromancer. So the idea of, well, how I did it anyway, was going, making a beeline for the um, necromancers, killing them off, then hoping the skeletons get killed by the chariot, if not killing yourselves. And then you basically pull a lever, it crashes, and then you fight the horse, (laughs) which I wasn't expecting. Yeah, yeah, just the horse. (laughs) I was expecting like the yeah. executioner because it's his chariot or whatever to get off and be like this big powerful skeleton. I'm like, oh, I'm battling the horse. Okay, horse twist. <laughs> yeah, the uh, um, yeah, yeah. This is I think you know from from has a weird relationship with puzzle bosses. Yeah, you know, like uh, people tend not to like them, uh, and I th- you know even though I end up liking some of them on presentation, I I don't always like them mechanically. Um, I think this is probably the best best one they've done. Yeah, like I think this is fun uh, and really really cool concept. Uh, for it a nice change of pace yeah i really enjoyed it it did you know especially after that yeah just running up there basically (laughs) just trying to get there in the first place um but yeah then realized that um i had to explore a bit more of the the cops um and i found the skeleton lords ryan reynolds here from mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down so to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And went back to kill them. And, um, yeah, they're quite funny because they're relatively weak. And it, it took me a while, a few goes, to realize that when you kill one, lots of skeletons spawn. Yeah, they're load-bearing lords. Yeah. So, lord-bearing. Yeah. <laughs> lord-bearing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, we have actual lords here as well. So, I like the idea oh. that there's a lord. <laughs> lord-bearing. <laughs> he looks like a skeleton. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> and they've got the bloody the wheelie ones. Um, yeah, bone wheels. Yeah, bane of my life they are. <laughs> and I really feel like they're the show-offs, you know, in the skeleton mm-hmm. culture. You know, they're they're the cool guys. They walk around with <laughs> they're like yeah, wheels. yeah, like greasers, like, you know, like fifties, you know, uh, like James Dean movie, yeah, the Marlon Brando kind of uh, hay speed racer. <laughs> yeah, you know, <laughs> what are you doing? They're just, just hanging off when they first start walking with them or whatever. Yeah. It's like a boombox. Yeah. Or surfboard or something. Like. <laughs> it's like, oh, this thing? Yeah, I just got an upgrade in. It's, uh, <laughs> it goes about 20% faster yeah. now. Zoom. Yeah, check this out. <laughs> yeah, <It's> these <laughs> stupid fucking spins. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, so um, the next area is Harvest Valley, uh, the poison area, and I fucking hate poison. I hate it. <laughs> I feel like it's a real gimmicky th- thing as well. It's... Um, yeah, I just didn't, and I also didn't realise that until afterwards that <laughs> rolling through the poison is actually worse, which does make sense the, because it covers yeah, most you, of your you, body, gets most on you. I'm, I'm here to tell you, unfortunately, that FromSoft never stopped doing this, <laughs> uh, and and never will. Never so the will. Um, every game has a big poison area, yeah. every single one. Turtle slime so, from Ninja Turtles. Yeah, <laughs> the use that was the real curse it's like it wasn't it wasn't this oh where's this curse come from it's because you've got nuclear ooze if you will the the uh the secret of the ooze is you're all going to die of cancer from this nuclear ooze yeah so have you ever thought about getting rid of the poison we've been telling you for a long time yeah he's just walking in it and also what i don't what i love about it as well is that you know (laughs) yeah it's a what's poisoning me is it the fumes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it like acid? <laughs> it's not like you know. If I dropped poison on my hand, it's not. As long as it didn't enter my body, I'd be fine, right? But um, yeah, I just love that kind of video game trope that still the, still do to this day. The undead can't stop licking his lips. <laughs> he's got he's got very chapped lips if you look at him. So he's just uh, he's getting it in. He's ingesting it somehow. I don't know why, but that is so creepy. That is the creepiest image. <laughs> of just anyone just constantly walking along licking like, their lips or like a skeleton doing it yeah. like you know they don't have lips but just like licking their teeth like they're living <laughs> licking their lips all the time yeah. it's like i saw recently um the evil dead 2 one of the evil dead 2 uh covers and um which is this is so random but like a skull looking back like from the side but it's got eyeballs and like a tongue or something. Mm-hmm. And it's the first time I looked at it and went, oh, that's a bit weird, isn't it? Like- <laughs> <laughs> the, the eyes stayed. Yeah. Well, did, did you ever play, uh, the, there's a, one of my favorite video games of all time is called Planescape Torment. No. And uh, you get a companion that is a skull that floats around that has uh, intact eyeballs. It's weird. Uh, and it, it's super weird. It's, it's like constantly surprised. <laughs> yes. <laughs> by everything. Whereas they're licking their lips. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah so uh, I I remember kind of being at this point this is where I was starting to kind of tire tire out um, and I found myself rushing the levels um, whenever I could like kind of making sprints to like another board file just seeing how far I could get Um, and yeah the poison uh, was uh, you know kind of was part of that Um, Mm -hmm. and yeah I took on the covetous demon um, and mm-hmm. I think I killed him on my second try. I think there's a bonfire nearby, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was fairly easy. Uh, people don't seem to ever have a problem with him, I think. 
Uh, didn't you he, say that he eats you and can spit out your clothes he, or something like that? He can. He can, uh, if he grabs you, he puts you in his mouth and then he spits you out with all of your equipment unequipped. Right. Uh, so it doesn't, you know, it hurts you, but it doesn't, uh, the bigger deal is that you have to go into a menu and there's no pause. Uh, you have to go into a menu and put back <laughs> on your clothing. Um, or at the very least your sword, <laughs> you know, your weapon. Don't know, it just really cracked me up. The fact yeah. that you can't <laughs> pause and he's like, okay, give me something. <laughs> Something there's there's a trick. Yeah. Let me just get my sword out. Don't look. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so next is Earth and Peak, and I'm really I will try and you know, try and rattle through these. So sorry if again it's going too fast. Um, which is basically like a poisonous pathway to the to the boss. Um, and I tried so many times to kill her until I basically had to look it up and be like. I'm not even doing any damage and realizing that that wheel thing that I'd run past <laughs> earlier, I had to set it on fire or destroy it or something um, to stop the poison flowing into a room. Uh, and then she was a lot easier, but you know, do they signpost this anywhere? Cause I don't yeah, know how I'm supposed yeah. to figure that out. No, it's horrible sing- signaling. How did, where do they do um, it? Like, is it just they, they don't. Oh, right, okay. Um, they they don't signal it at all. And then when they did the scholar version, they have a, a an undead. Uh, you can summon someone, uh, a character there, um, who will go and point at it uh, for you. It's so sloppy. <laughs> like it's so sloppy. Uh, I don't know what they were thinking with that because it it, it doesn't even look like the um, the windmill is made of wood. Yeah, like it's made of stone. It doesn't look like it would set on fire. Um, yeah, it is, it's exceptionally bad signaling. It's like one of the sloppier things the company has ever done. Yeah. Terrible. Um, and it really wasted a lot of my time. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, she's basically some poison, sexy snake lady that looks a bit like Medusa (laughs) or something. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, and so the next stage was the, um, iron keep, which for me took me absolutely ages. Um, and I know there's that, uh, point of um, contention whereby you get a um was it you get a lift up and then yeah, the elevator the elevator up for ages a really long one and then you're suddenly like in lava and uh, mm-hmm. i think it was established that it was actually a um what's the word like a not cavern but yeah like a um what's the word what am i looking for like a pit I, yeah yeah it, it it's basically like a, a problem with like I I think that um, is likely a problem like a miscommunication with concept art with that you know but th- there are a couple of non Euclidean kind of spaces in Dark Souls two where it doesn't make sense like later we're gonna go through um, on our way to to Dring Lake Castle and it's daytime and we go through a tunnel and when we come out it's raining and it's nighttime yes you know I remember so that now if, yeah. You know, if you, if you want to be very charitable to this, um, you can kind of chalk it up to us losing our memory. Like in the early cutscene, you know, it says we're losing our family, we're we're losing our memory. There's a character in this game called Lucatiel, who is kind of uh, the the biggest NPC character that you run into. And one of the most developed storyline, and her whole storyline is about losing her mind and kind of that like terror of dementia and stuff. So I tend to, when I'm feeling charitable, you know, I, I never got really bothered by the elevator mm. thing, right? Like some people got very mad about it. I don't think it makes a lot of sense. If I'm feeling very charitable, it's like, well, this is, this is my character losing their mind. Like I'm going hollow. A lot of these spaces don't make sense. This is that kind of surreal 
dreamy landscape kind of thing. Uh, again, similar kind of to things betwixt. Yeah. Where you're you're in this uh, weird tree void and you go through a cave and you're on a sunny beach. Yeah. You okay. know. Yeah, it's um, interesting because yeah, it's one of the things that I, mean, I don't normally pick up. I'm not that bothered about stuff like that. But it's just if they just made the elevator, if they didn't make the elevator so long, I mean, I imagine it's a loading thing or whatever. But it wouldn't have. I wouldn't have even thought yeah, about no it. Yeah, no one would if notice. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, just because you felt like it was building up to something, and then you're like, "What? <laughs> Where am I?" Mm. Um, but yeah, I had a real problem with this area. I don't know if that's just me or if it's generally considered no, a tough no, area. I, I think this is probably the hardest area in the game. Good. You know, it, it's a uh, yeah, it's ex- extremely difficult. Um, just just really really harsh. Really pretty long. Um, getting the secondary bonfire requires fighting a very tough boss. Yeah. You know, so you have to fight the the smelter demon, uh, which is a, a hard boss. Yeah, um, hard. to get to the uh, the midpoint bonfire. Um, the only thing I think is not, you know, particularly like uh, difficult about it is the the end. Mm. You know, the uh, the the old Iron King I don't find super difficult. No, he was you know, super that, that, easy. Yeah. I like the fact yeah. that um, he's just hiding behind a wall. It's like that was my yeah. tactic. Just kind of, I don't know, like have a crafty fag or something, and then yeah, is he, whilst he's raging, is he, he's made the his his uh, his arena is his problem. It's like the end boss of Bubble Bobble. <laughs> like if he just got rid of those platformers, <laughs> those platforms, you'd never beat him. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah, so, so he's like, but he's decided yeah. this is it. This is where I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm going to find out and I'll be fine here. Um, but yeah, yeah I basically, yeah, up to that smelter demon point, that was just unpopulated by the time I defeated the smelter demon. <laughs> there was nothing left. So it was just a case of just walking through. That was like how much trouble I had with it. Um, and those fucking turtle things that just fall backwards or you can't yeah. block. Oh my God. Just so annoying. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, but uh, I also I didn't I didn't know about the Belfry Soul until afterwards. Um, so I never actually went there. Is it is it any good? Is it a bit pointless? It's it's another. It's actually really similar to um, the other Bell right. Belfry area with the gargoyles, except without a boss. Okay. So you can go up there and get some items, but it's it's kind of a P, PvP game. Mm-hmm. You know, where there's an area you can go and ring. It's it's not worth your time. Right. So it's 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 a thing for multiplayer, but not for single player really. Okay. Good. I didn't miss so. anything there. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, I believe, um, well, what I did next is kind of go through the uh, the shaded woods area, and I didn't really know what I was doing here. <laughs> I was just kind of walking around a lot and killing things, and then I couldn't go into this door, do X, Y, Z. Um, I did end up in the doors of Pharos area, which I can't remember is connected um, mm-hmm. or not. And... Uh, and yeah, this is the area you were talking about earlier where you can um, set up like mini traps and stuff, right? This yeah, th- this and the um, the Grave of Saints. Right, yeah. Uh, the area of the Rat Covenant are both uh, PvP kind of fun house areas. Right. You know, um, but are, are better integrated in the world than into the world than like the Belfry areas, I think. Yeah. You know, uh, they have bosses, even though the boss here is bad. Awful. Like I think that the, uh, yeah, just like probably, you know, one of the worst bosses in the game. Um, and it's not the Royal Rat, the Royal Rat Vanguard. Yeah, it's the, yeah. it's the Royal Rat Authority that's here in the doors. doors well, the, I think that is, yeah, is this one the Authority and the other one's the Vanguard? Yeah. I can't, I can't remember. There's two, there's two rats. Yeah, there's basically uh, the one dog that, thing. Yeah, big, big shitty rat dog. And then the one that's lots of little rats that yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah. Uh, the big rat one I don't like. Yeah, which is, yeah, so. which is the one that's here. I mean, I used up so many of those stones 
opening mm-hmm. these random doors and them leading to like nothing. Um, and I, th- I was like, well, one's got to have something. And you know, it's like a gambling thing where it's like, <laughs> if I keep yeah, throwing well, uh, money at it, you know. sunk cost fallacy. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. So I'm going to come through I'm in due. a second. Yeah. Ah. Really annoying. Um, but yeah, the Royal Rat Authority, uh, it's like a bad Sith fight. Um, it felt like, and who yeah, gave I, him the authority? Yeah, <laughs> I, I do not respect your, your Royal Rat Authority. Yeah. Who does he think? He's not yeah. even a rat. I don't know what he is. Um, <laughs> policing the rats. Uh, whatever he's doing. No. Not, not worthwhile. Yeah, this is a horrible fight, uh, mostly because he has those little... Um, little critters that run up the smaller rats that can give you uh, toxic yeah. right in the beginning. If you can take care of those guys, it's, it's really doable, but unless you have like an AOE spell, it's really hard to do. Um, yeah, th- this, this is one of the worst bosses in the game. Yeah. Terrible. And it feels like a lot of these are just optional and I'm not really getting much out of them. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, especially yeah. with this yeah. one. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the, there's, and then there's the Brightstone Cove. I can't even say this to Seldora. Yeah, Seldora. Correct. Cool. Um, and I believe, like, when I came out, I think it looks like some battles just happened, um, if I remember rightly. Um, and yeah, and then there's this random boss, the, the Prowling Magus. Magus? Magus? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the Magus. Yeah. One, one of the things, because you mentioned the Covetous Demon as well, and like that enemy and this enemy are both fairly easy. Uh, and sometimes people get uh, very frustrated that they're, they're bosses because, you know, you want to have, you know, a, a reasonable challenge with a boss. I wish that they just didn't give them title cards. Yeah, exactly. You know, because Dark Souls 1 had mid bosses, right? Like you had the boar. Mm. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. something like that. And this could have been like that. Like this could have just been a, an encounter in a room. Um, but because they give it that boss title card, you, you kind of raises your expectations. Yeah. You know, cause it's, it's really just kind of like a, an interesting encounter. You're, you're seeing all these people, these pews, um, they're, they're praying to the, these priests, you know, these, uh, priests and priestesses here. Um, you know, and it's just, it's just a set piece, mm. you know, for you to fight through. But the fact that they give it a, a health bar makes it raises your expectations too much. Yeah. And I, I literally think it took me about 10 seconds to kill mm-hmm. them both. Um, yeah, just went in sword flying, basically. Um, and I don't even understand what's happening here. <laughs> like, what are they? Like, what it's are they it's just a, yeah. There's not there's not a lot of story to them. Like the best, you know. So Seldora, Brightstone Seldora, is this? Uh, you know that that first area we go to. Um, it's not necessarily like a battle that happened there, but it's almost like an army is is poised. Um, this is like an area where they were were mining uh, the stone and and mined. Uh, you know, so deeply that there is a, uh, a dragon, like we'll run into that later. Um, and kind of, uh, the soul kind of infected things, um, ultimately making the, um, the Duke of this area, um, his, his pet, uh, turn into this, this great old, uh, one kind of boss that we're going to fight. Right. Um, but this is just the, the religion. This is the church for this area. Right. You know, and that, that's, we don't get a lot of story about what that religion is like, but this is just, you know, if this is a town, you know, or this is an area, you know, we have the camp where all the miners work, uh, and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. up above and then we, or where they sleep rather. And then we go down to the mines where we show people where they're working. And then we go into where actually the Duke kind of supervised and his, his, uh, pet spider got out of control. <laughs> so the, uh, to say the least. Yeah. Um, I like the use of the term prowling, like he's a sexual deviant as well. Yeah, yeah, the, the troll and troll and magus. Yeah. 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 Cruising magus. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So yeah, so I ended up sprinting sprinting my way to the Freya boss here. Um, I tried to do it methodically and like properly. And after a while, I was just like, I hate this level. <laughs> I was like, I just mm-hmm. kind of want to get out of it. Um, so yeah, all the spiders, I dodged all that, went straight through the Freya fight. And at first I thought, I was like, man, I don't know how I'm going to do this. But when I kind of figured out my positioning, um, it wasn't actually that bad. Uh, she's basically this big spider with other little spiders. And if you can get rid of those like quickly, cause they, you know, they can kind of overwhelm you a bit as well. Um, I thought it was, you know, it was okay. Um, she's got a head either side and you basically just chop her head off <laughs> both sides. If, if I'm right, if I remember rightly. Um, but she's another Lord soul, uh, mm-hmm. as well, I believe. And, um, yeah, I don't know. What did you, what did you think? Uh, the, to me, out of the, the four principal ones, this is the one I have the hardest time with. Right. Um, just because, uh, it is really easy to get staggered by one of those little spiders yeah. and then get hit by, uh, her beam attack, which will one shot you if you, if you get zapped by it. Mm. Um, but generally, you know, uh, not so bad. I think the idea of this, you know, when you, after you beat her, you go back in the cave and you, you find the Duke, you know, uh, of the titular Duke's dear Freya and he's hollowed. Uh, and then you see the little spider cage with, you know, the bars bent. Yeah. Like something's broken out of it. I think that's really cool, like environmental storytelling. Yeah. You know, just thinking like way back in the day, it was, it was a, a problem, like a problem that could be just kind of stepped on. Yeah. <laughs> and then now over the, over the centuries or what have you, it's become this gigantic broodmother. That's that's taking up re- residence in this big, uh, you know, dragon that is uh, webbed up. Yeah, you know, up in up in the rafters and stuff. I think that's all incredibly cool. Yeah, uh, you know, while the the fight itself is nothing super special to me. Yeah, I didn't mind so, the fight, but yeah, yeah, I liked that thing yeah. of like you just go in and it's just like old, yeah, library or his office basically. Um, and those little touches, yeah, as you said, is um, it just kind of gives it a bit of variety. Um, and yeah, I really enjoyed uh, that mm-hmm. aspect of it. Um, so yeah, so the next part I was going to talk about is going down to the the grave of saints, where as you said, this is the royal rat vanguard, which is just basically a big rat, a strong rat, mm-hmm. not even that big, mm-hmm. not even that much bigger than the others. Um, and then you come up against this against the king rat, <laughs> whatever. Yeah, yeah, he has a mohawk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so- and oh yeah that one yeah that you yeah so you kill yeah. you kill him and then you talk to well, who is it who's the, the 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 rat that he's protecting who's basically pissed yeah, off the, with all the humans the, yeah the lord rat uh, whose name is escaping me right now but he's the the king of that that covenant the the covenant for this this half of the fun house or this this specific fun house yeah he he runs that it's so you can yeah. did you ever have a show it was british but I don't know what kind of filters through there or not in the eighties, um, called Roland rat. Uh, nope. I don't, I don't know what the Roland rat is. It's basically, uh, uh it's like, his whole uh, thing's like, Hey, rat fans. It's a kind of kids TV show morning thing. But, um, and he was supposed to be basically this cool rat. And, uh, mm-hmm. I don't know why, but in my head, that's it. I'll put a link to it, it but it's um, in my it, head. That's who it is, which is just stupid. It, but um, the idea is just we, talking king rat. We we had a rude dog. I remember here. we had and a, the dweebs. Yeah, yeah, rude dog. Exactly, rude dog and the dweebs. Uh, voiced by like Yako Warner, like uh, that that guy. And uh, I watched one of those recently on on VHS tape and was struck and kind of appalled by how polite 
Rude Dog is. Like, I didn't, I didn't remember how much that cartoon is about him running a shipping business and being fair to his employees. Yeah. He's not even really in it that the opposite much, of if rude. I remember right. No, no, he's, he's basically a middle manager type, <laughs> yeah. uh, at this thing, and it's mostly focusing on his friends, uh, none of which are rude. <laughs> yes. Not one person is anything less than polite. It's very strange. They are a bit dweeby, though. Yeah, they are absolutely dweeby. Yeah. I like the idea, yeah. Because yeah. I, re- I remember Free Dog, um, yeah, like neon green, neon pink, but his it was always his mm-hmm. eyes which looked weird to me because they weren't like proper, if I remember rightly, they weren't mm-hmm. like proper eyes. Um, maybe it's a combination of that. But yeah, I like the idea that this rat guy's like just pissed off with people coming down to his rat city. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really seem to be too bothered that you're there and you've just slaughtered a whole bunch of his like mates um, to get there to see him. Um, but he's like a covenant, uh, leader. Um, if, I, if I'm correct, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. I don't know what, um, what, does he give you any kind of buffs or anything? Is he a particularly good one? A good, covenant? uh, you know, no, all of the covenants, um, like if you, if you, when you kill people in PVP, you tend to get like a trinket item and you can turn those into the leader for, um, either weapons or spells, uh, none of which I really engage with very much. Like I, I think I'm like you, where I don't do the PvP mm. very often. Um, we have for each season, when we're doing a bonfire side chat for each season of the show, we would attempt to do PvP for a while, so we can do an episode about it, just because it is a big part of the games, and we want to try to be all you know uh, all inclusive uh, of things. But it was always a, a sideways fit. Like neither of us are that interested in it. Right. So yeah. Yeah. It's good, you know. I appreciate that it's uh, when people go, oh, it's half the game or something like that. It's like, yeah, okay. It's it's a yes. big game. It contains multitudes. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then you can make your way to the gutter, which is kind of like the blight town, I suppose, of Dark Souls Two. Um, though it's a lot smaller, and I think it's a lot more manageable as well. Um, and yeah, just to kind of sprint through this a little bit, you get through to the Black Gulch which is, again, like another poison heaven. Um, and I didn't realise that there was a second bonfire closer to the actual boss. Um, so I had to make that run through all these like spitting mm. poison things to get to the the rotten each time, which was really annoying because you've lost half your bloody health before you've even yeah, stepped through yeah. the gate. Um, and I'm right in thinking that the rotten is um, what uh, people use when they do speedruns, right, um, to kind of... Uh, they go there first. Am I right? I can't remember what the deal is. Yeah, there's, there's a. I don't know if this is the. I think the current uh, speedrun meta like uses a glitch, but um, something you can do is you uh, when to get into the final set of areas, um, you need either all four Lord Souls or a certain number of souls. That's right. Yeah, it's and, like a million or uh, something like that. Yeah, yeah, and you can go to the Rotten. Um, the Rotten's really pretty predictable once you know him. Hmm. Um, so you can fight him at low levels and you can use a, a bonfire aesthetic item, which I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, uh, to keep fighting him on further new game plus uh, cycles to get that million souls. So even, even though I've ne- never speed run, uh, Dark Souls 2, when I do play, I do tend to fight the rotten a few times, okay. uh, just to get a souls boost and to, uh, you know, just to kind of power up my character a little bit early on. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he's that much uh, too bad of a boss, really, either. It was more the run-up that kind of annoyed me. But he's basically, he looks like Pizza the Hut from Spaceballs. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. He's he's a big pile of corpses. Or like um, in Symphony of the Night, uh, 
Mm-hmm. There's a character called Grand Falloon. Yep. That's a big pile of corpses kind of jammed together. He's got that kind of <laughs> look to him. So A beautiful creature. I do find it quite <laughs> funny that um, we catch him while he's in the middle of some DIY. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's working on his Etsy page. Yeah. So, yeah. Just getting really annoyed. Um, yeah. So now you've got your four souls, uh, four Lord souls, and you can head to Trangetic uh, Castle, finally. Um, so you go through the Shady Woods again, make your way inside the castle, um, and this is where you start seeing stuff to do with the Queen, I think, and people are talking about the Queen, um, and it becomes a bit more obvious uh, what's going on mm-hmm. and that she's evil, basically. Um so once you're in the castle, you kill two dragon riders, which is, again is a bit lame because it's essentially just who you just right, thought. Yeah. yeah, someone else. But okay, great. Um, and you take on uh, further in the castle, you take on the Looking Glass Knight, who I thought was quite cool. It was one of my favourite bosses um, of the game, and the reason why, but part of it is because his shield can make a copy of you. I believe it can also summon other players. I think I've listened to that on your podcast that. Um, he can bring people in, yeah, um, which is you, different. You can be the the looking glass squire if you uh, you set up to invade in that area. Um, he does. He doesn't make a copy of you. He can make. There's kind of two generic fellas he can make, um, or he can pull in another player. Oh, I thought it was a copy of me. Maybe that happens. Oh, that ha- might happen somewhere else when there's like a mirror. I don't know. Um, I can't remember. I, I, you, it might have just been somebody who was using a weapon similar to yours. That's probably what it you was. Know? <laughs> yeah. I don't think... I, I've always thought that it would be cool. I um, This is... You know, I, I don't want to get too much in the weeds because it, you haven't played uh, Dark Souls 3 yet. But I always wanted... I wanted the Dark Souls 3 end boss mm-hmm. to be something like that. I thought that would be really cool. Um, but as far as I know, there's not a thing where you fight a, an exact copy of yourself. Right. Yeah. In the game. Okay. Yeah. I think it might be because I think I had a great sword. So maybe it was just someone who had a great sword as well. Um, but at the time, I thought it was me. And I was like, that's cool because he's got mm-hmm. like a mirror <laughs> for a shield and he's made a copy of me. Um, mm-hmm. Melee based again. But yeah, I, I like this one. So by this point, I was a bit like, why is this taking so long? What's, that, what's, what's happening? I went to through to the, um, the shrine of Amana and that's. Mm-hmm. quite magic based so i had a bit of trouble with that because magic kind of gets through my shield and my armor through the most part um so i had to rush around as much as possible trying to kind of dodge these magic bullets or whatever they are um and came up against the demon of song boss mm-hmm. which is weird really strange looking creature didn't have too much of a problem with him either but yeah he was one of the more interesting looking creatures um i thought uh yeah, because he kind of like opens up his, what's it like? He opens up his mouth to reveal a face or something like that. Um, yeah, it's like that's like a weird skull creature that's wearing a rubber frog suit. Yes, like a much. <laughs> it's cool. I think it looks cool. Um, and make you make your way down to the undead crypt, and I was making a beeline for everything by this point, so I was really trying to like, you know, I was like, come on, end of the game. Here we go. Let's, let's do this. Um, which probably isn't the best way to play Dark Souls and can be very detrimental, but I was, you know, I was focused. Um, and then, yeah, these bloody bells, <sighs> mm. which yeah, yeah. awaken these, like, powerful spirits, essentially. Um, and, yeah, especially when you're on that final uh, corridor and then, like, at separate points as you're trying to make your way through, uh, 
like another zombie comes to ring the bell. You're just like, fuck's sake, stop ringing the bloody yeah, bell. Yeah, yeah, that, it's a super, it's a, it's a tough stretch because I, I generally just run past that, but it's difficult even to, to run past that one. Yeah. Um, but it's cool because the, at the very least, like, I think that Velstat's a really great boss. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I love this. I love the music track and I, and I love the, uh, the theming on this guy. I think using a gigantic bell, uh, as a hammer is a really cool idea. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I really like and this. a really good design. Yeah. He just looks cool as well. Um, and then after he dies, I remember seeing something in the background and remembering, did you ever watch the film Wreck? As in, there was a, an American one, but specifically the Spanish one. Uh, no, no, REC. Yeah. I, I've heard of it, but I have not seen it. Yeah, it's really, I really liked it. Like, it's a bit maybe of its time with found footage and all that stuff, you know, which is kind of old hat now. But, um, yeah, the Spanish one was first. I remember watching that at the cinema and, like, right at the end, um, spoiler, but, uh, it's um, night vision or whatever, so you can't really see what's going on. And there's this really like tall, lanky thing kind of walking around, and you're like, "Fuck!" And so when you yeah, see yeah. this, I didn't know what it was. I can just see something walking around. It fucking freaks the life out of me because I just got that flashback of watching Wreck. And obviously, I've just come up against this boss, and I'm like, "Well, there's no f- bonfire around." So I googled who it was. <laughs> so I'm not yeah, taking yeah. any chances. Um, and uh, that's Fendrick. It, it's it's a really uh, pretty great moment, I think, because you spent the the whole game hearing about Vendrick, and you expect him to be this this figure of power, this kind of great king, and you go into this room and you just see him walk in these sad circles to this very like depressing music. Yeah, doesn't attack you. Know, like he, yeah, he's not aggressive. Like you can fight him. You know, he he is a boss that you you, you can fight, but he's not mandatory, and and he's mostly a figure of like kind of being pathetic. Yeah. So I didn't realize because um, later on, before I took on, I thought this might be the final boss, but later on, um, before uh, taking on the queen, I just ate all my souls, basically, not realizing mm-hmm. that to kill Vendrick, you had to have like a certain number of giant souls and all that stuff. So I basically screwed myself over. Um, so I yeah. never got to kill him. But um, it's not it's not like a wonderful fight or anything. You didn't miss didn't miss too much. Good. It's an okay fight, but it's not great. Yeah, uh, so. that's good to know. Um, so yeah, I went back to the castle and to the throne room um, and took on the throne defender and watcher. And I thought this mm-hmm. was it. I thought this was the final thing. Um, and I really enjoyed that fight. I was like, oh, it's a bit like, you know, Ornstein and Smeg, um again. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, yes, yeah, it's like an all right final boss battle. I've been enjoying this. And then I killed them and it was like, okay. Yeah, it's it's not. Yeah, the, the game, this one, I love Dark Souls 2 in retrospect a lot. When we were playing it, me and Cole, like at some point, we I very distinctly remember us like texting each other and being like, "This just keeps going," like you know. And there's still stuff that's good, right? So like after you do that, um, you head towards Aldia's Keep. And I think as far as an environment goes, Aldia's Keep is incredibly cool. Mm. Like I love uh, a mad science lab. I love a monster zoo, uh, and this is both. Yeah. Uh, of those things, I think that's really really cool. And then you uh, you go through it and you go to the um, the, the dragon area, yeah. uh, which is just like breathtakingly beautiful, like just really cool looking area. Yeah, like you, there's still cool things coming, but it does it's stretched out, you know. And then once you you throw in the DLCs, it's like this is a very long game. It ends up being the longest of all of the entire series. Okay, yeah, uh, in a way that's a little kind of tricky. Mm. Yeah, that was you know. yeah. Just when it was like the next area, the next area, I was just like, oh man, come on. Um, but yeah, like the dragon shrine after the dragon area, um, I literally just walked up <laughs> to the dragon and everyone was bowing, so I wasn't sure 
I was like, okay, mm-hmm. good, because I kind of need this. Um, and I got basically the time travel thing. Um, mm-hmm. And I had to look up the next steps because I was like, man, I've got to kind of get get to the end of this game. And I went back to just that giant's memory back in the you know the forest of fallen giants. Um, and the specific one you needed to get, and it was I actually used my bonfire. Um, I put King Kong bonfire aesthetics, but ascetic. That's what it is, isn't it? Yeah, like a, a, yeah, ascetic or ascetic. Yeah, um, and that's why I, I, you know, basically grinded a lot of my souls. Was there? I just kept that memory sequence going because you know they the people are dying around you that you don't even have to kill. Um, you get quite a few mm-hmm. souls from that. Um, yeah, and I didn't bother going to the other giant memories. Um, was there anything I missed out on with those? No, no. I mean, just like a little bit of uh, you know items, right? So like. Uh, soul items and um, like a couple weapons and and a couple other bonfire aesthetics things like that you know effigies and then a little bit more backstory on on that war yeah but not not a whole lot like you you basically didn't did not miss too much good I also so. didn't go to the dark chasm of old I didn't even realize that was a place mm. um, that's a yeah that's a, a whole really weird optional the the shame of it right so there, there's a very long optional quest tra- chain. Um, about uh, Dark Diver uh, Grandal, I think his name is, right. um, where you uh, can access this very hard challenge area. Um, and if you get through it, you've, there's a really wonderful boss right. uh, at the end of it called Dark Lurker um, that is one of the strongest bosses in the game as far as a fight goes. Like, There's not a lot of story, but it's just a really fun fight. But you have to jump through so many hoops. And on replays, I tend not to do it because even though I want to fight that boss, I don't want to do all the hoops. Yeah. And it, it's Hoop City. It's basically NBA Jam. So <laughs> He's yeah. on fire. Uh, um, yep. <laughs> uh, He's on dark. Yeah. So, um, yeah, once you get whatever this giant was holding, <laughs> which I still didn't, yeah. didn't understand, um, you can go back and take on uh, Nishandra. Um, I summoned people for this and took her out fairly quickly, which was... Um, quite good and i had loads of human effigies so i thought why not treat myself mm-hmm. um, sure sure yeah <laughs> get get a couple of mates on board who i've never met before but um yeah and she was really i mean like yeah there was three of us so it wasn't too much of a big deal um and yeah then the giants or the golems i should say whatever moved you walk into the kiln and you sit in the little booster seat <laughs> yeah yep 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 uh, and that's you know, you know the basic basic ending of, of Dark Souls Two. There's like another if you've been following uh, this quest line with Aldia, uh, who who we didn't mention, but depending on which version of the game you're playing, mm. um, you can meet this character, you know, who is uh, the the brother of Vendrick. And if you do you know follow that quest line, you can fight him uh, after you fight Nashandra. Okay. Yeah, and it's a cool fight. Like it's it's you know if you ever revisit the game, it's worth it's worth given it a chance um you know it's a neat fight and he uh that introduces the other ending because in dark souls 2 you know as we mentioned at the beginning of the podcast like it's kind of saying that it's a cycle it doesn't matter um dark souls 1 when you get to the end you beat the end boss you get to choose whether you light the flame or let it go out in dark souls 2 since you know dark souls 2 happened that implies that the choice you made at dark souls 1 doesn't matter so when you sit on the chair you just sit on the chair right. uh but if you if you go through this secondary step and you beat aldia you leave the chamber you say i'm not going to do either of these things i'm going to keep 
looking for my own path and try to, to actually fix this and break the cycle. Um, you know, which is a a very hopeful for dark souls, like a a very hopeful ending. Yeah. Cause the, the standard ending is dark (laughs) as you can. Yeah. It's pretty bleak. Yeah. Yeah. He's just going to sit in there. Um, yep. (laughs) Like, well done. Uh, now sit in there and don't come out. (laughs) Um, yeah, so, and then you get the DLC. I will be super brief on this, um, but you've got the Crown of the Sunken King, which I actually did last, and I, I rushed through this again, um, which is quite, which you can do, um, you know, once you know the uh, way, until you get to kind of like the crypt bit. That was quite cool. I thought the fact that you'd smash the statues to make the spirits physically appear. Um, it's got mm-hmm. a cool shortcut to the first bonfire, which was good. Um but yeah, you take on uh, Alana, the squalid king, who is quite difficult. And all these DLCs are like super difficult. I had a real problem yeah. jumping from the main game to these immediately. I was like, man, I should, I really need to level up to get through these. Um, End game content for sure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and then I took on Sin the Dragon. And this is probably one of my favorite fights, actually. Um, I summoned a couple of people and it was just chaotic. Felt really epic. Mm-hmm. And they were really trying to help me out because I'm a strength build. I spent most of the time just running around <laughs> trying to get a shot in before he moved again, um, which is quite funny. Uh, so it's quite a long fight, but um, yeah, he was a good, he was a good boss and dragon bosses are quite cool as and of mm-hmm. themselves anyway. Um, Crown of the Iron King, I felt was okay for a while. I found this really difficult. I quite like the, the weird totems that you can, destroy um but there was one bit where like there was a big room i don't know if you remember um and there was like a giant spouting lava guarding this door and there was a few normal enemies and there were some guys holding the barrels it just took me ages just to get through that one specific bit um but yeah 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 it, it's 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 really challenging like all, all if i've not if i know three of these are really challenging um and uh yeah i like the the theming of all these and kind of what they are doing to kind of explore these other kings, right? Like these other people who came through before Vendrick, these kind of other lands, um, and uh, that were on top of this. Because essentially, what you're doing is is traveling through time with these um, as well. And uh, I like what they do as far as you know. So in the first one, in the Sunken King, you fight Alana, the squalid queen. Um, so you actually fight that version, that kingdom's evil queen, right? That that. Frag- fragment of of the abyss. Uh, in this one, the evil queen is not a boss. Um, you're doing those little totems, like you're actually like she's been broken apart, and you're neutralizing the parts as you go um, through that, which I like. But there there are some absolutely brutal encounters for sure, and it contains uh, two boss fights. Like one, you know, in which the the community really loves, and one that only I love, which is uh, Sir Alan, which is the optional boss yeah. uh, for that, which I which is a great fight. Like everyone loves that, including myself. And then uh, Fume Knight, which everyone hates uh, and is widely considered to be the hardest uh, boss fight um, in, in the Dark Souls 2 zone, which which I like, but most people do not. I didn't mind um, it. I did Fume Knight. I think you can only do Fume Knight before Serolon anyway, right? Of, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was so hard. And it was, but it was again, it was one of those things that when I did it, <clears throat> I was like, that was really cool, but I don't know... I couldn't do that by myself. I had to summon people for that. I've no idea how someone could do it by themselves. Um, it's, it's just it tons of delayed hits. Like he's got a, a lot of really strange timings yeah. on, on his swings and figuring those out to me was very fun. Like, 
but it, it is frustrating and he hits like a truck uh, and he's pretty aggressive. So, yeah. yeah. Um, the Sarah Long one, yeah, I did really, um, really enjoy as well. Uh, it's like a great duel. Yeah, you know? it was, yeah. So. And just the, and the history behind it because I know it's supposed to be like he's Vendrix mate or whatever that got his right hand man or something with along with Velstat. Um and mm-hmm. yeah, just quite enjoyed that that kind of aspect to it and that you kind of travel through time and then travel through time again, like even further in time. Um if I'm if I've got that right. Um mm-hmm. The Crown of the Ivory King, sort of snowy kingdom. Um and I'm just I was just such an idiot. So like I was immediately trying to kill this invisible beast until I realised you had to turn around and go the other way to pick up the thing so you can so you can see it. Yeah, yeah. But I didn't know it's, that it's, it's kind of, you know, they only have so many uh you know, I feel like gimmicks that they haven't tried mm. yet, right? It's so like the invisible enemy is is one uh that they're doing here. But this one um I love the this is my favorite of the three uh and I like, you know, I like that things like yes the boss turns uh, visible afterwards, but I love the level changing once things have thawed out. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't just get easier. It's not like you just get access to new places. Like enemies thaw out, and there are new pathways for them to ambush you. Um, and then the ending of this, where you fight the the Ivory King, uh, and you can unlock those soldiers uh, to come with you, and you can summon people with you. And then it's this huge group melee, and, and like going down there with uh, seven people with you, mm. you know, or, or six people with you is is really pretty unique. Yeah to souls like doing this kind of group fight and it just feels awesome to roll deep uh in this yeah it's exactly how i did it and i remember like you know when he comes out in this pool of light and um defeating him it was just like looking around to like the other guys that you know done it with me like giving like a fist pump or something thing i felt really like you know we did it together as a team even though it's my game essentially but yeah yeah i really felt like yeah we really worked for that and we did it um, yeah, it's a good, and that was, um, the last one. No, it wasn't the last one. The sin was the last one. I think that's the second one I did, but, but really great final boss battles. Um, I know as you were saying, fume night, it's a little bit, people didn't really like generally, but I, I did like it as well. And I thought mm-hmm. you know, each DLC was really tough, but it did have some really great, um, final boss battles. Um, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So that's it. That's the end of a really, <laughs> really long game. <laughs> too long yeah, some yeah. May it, say. it definitely too long there's there's too many areas there's there's certainly things that could be cut like i, I have a lot of affection for dark souls too and a lot of it comes from some of these imperfections mm. you know that it has like i think it's got kind of a weirder atmosphere than the other uh games in the series and it ties into the other games in the series in very kind of strange indirect ways you know but there are just so many things that i i just uh you know like kind of a big, very affectionate sloppiness okay. that I have for it. I you know, that. that they're, they're just, there's some tricks that they've, they haven't done before. Um, I love how you can change the difficulty yourself. I love how wide the, the build variety is. You know, I played through it a bunch of times and each time it's, it's different because I'm a different, playing a different avatar. So I have different verbs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, uh, just, and the, the DLCs, the, th- I think the three DLCs have really great, even though it's sometimes uh, very harsh, but have very great level design. Um, just really interesting areas to explore, uh, with, with mostly fun encounters and cool kind of gimmicks. Like we didn't talk about, them, but I love the guys in the, uh, the sunken King where you are facing the kind of the soul 
of the warrior, but you have to find where their their body is. Yeah, and smash you know, and destroy that. Like yeah. I, I think those are really cool. Um, there's just a lot of a lot of stuff like that. I think is neat. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it yeah. was. Um, I did feel like the yeah Dark Souls one was more succinct and compact and felt. You know, way more so. Yeah. Like yeah, Dark Souls one is way closer to perfect. Mm. Like I I like Dark Souls one a lot more. Uh, than Dark Souls 2, but I still still love Dark Souls 2 because of those weird kind of imperfections. Yeah. Uh, so are there any, like, because there's a, a bunch of side characters and side quests, um, are there any, not to go too deep into this again, because time's ticking on, but um, are there any kind of, yeah, like, side stories or people that are quite interesting that kind of you stick out in your head? Um, You know, we, we, we talked real briefly about Aldia. I love all of that stuff. You know, with uh, with Aldio, with the the second ending they introduced to the main game, um, and the idea of this, uh, you know, again this kind of scientific approach to this mystical problem, uh, which I dig. And then uh, we also uh, mentioned Lucatiel, mm-hmm. and Lucatiel's got this really great, like, sad story. Um, you know, she uh, is going hollow. When you see her, she wears a mask. You know, because underwear <laughs> under there, it's probably like hamburger. You know, it's, it's, it's just like you. Um, and her, you know, as you meet her throughout the game, you see her like slowly lose her memory and slowly lose her identity. Um, and it's just very tragic. It's very sad. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, for her. And I, I think that's a, that's a really great story. I mean, I think Dark Souls 1 has way better side stories and NPCs mm-hmm. than Dark Souls 2. But Dark Souls 2 has at least one that, that can, ha- you know, hang with uh, Dark Souls 1. And it's uh, Luca Teal. Yeah. There's also, um, is it pa- Paint? Pate. Oh yeah. Pate is actually really, you know, uh, yeah. Uh, Peter, uh, Serafanowitz. Yeah. So, uh, voiced mm. yeah, Peyton Creighton are really cool too. Yes. Yeah, so I yeah. actually know his brother, James. Um, Oh neat. Yeah. And I remember I worked on a show called, um, the IT crowd. If you ever okay. saw that, I'm in yeah, it. Yeah. I'm in it a bit as well. And, um, Oh neat. Yeah. She's quite That's awesome. And during yeah. that time, yeah. um, I spent a lot of time with, uh, Graham Linehan, who's the, um, mm-hmm. director who's been in a bit of trouble on Twitter lately, but still, and, um, <laughs> uh, he invited me around. I used to play poker a lot. So did he, and, um, we used to talk about poker and whatever. And he invited me around for a poker night and it was, um, James and, uh, his girlfriend at the time. And also a guy called Benny, um, Benny Wong, who <laughs> went on to be in all the Marvel films. He's Dr. Strangers, mate. Um, oh wow! Yeah, which huh. is really weird. Yeah, yeah. And I specifically remember he was getting really annoyed. He's a lovely guy. He'd just been in a film uh, which hadn't been released yet, which is a Danny Boyle one called Sunshine. And everyone was like, "Oh, you know, this is it, your big break or whatever." And um, yeah, and then he's obviously like he put on loads of wakes. He was in a um, Netflix series, the Marco Polo one. And he basically wasn't able to shift it. <laughs> um, <laughs> so he stayed like that. But uh, yeah, I mean, he won't, he won't remember me. But um, yeah, um, so there was a moment where I was just like on the outskirts of this, of this group. The, 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 P- the Peter Serafano verse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the, um, yeah, well, it worked out for him not uh, dropping that weight since he got to be, uh, yeah. got to be Wong. Yeah, exactly. You know? so, and he's, you yeah. know, that's it, he's set for life now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, is, I know the only, the one thing is with New Game Plus, I believe, um, rather than it being more difficult, there's some actual differences, right? And what happens in the, um, in the story itself. I don't know if there's any that, yeah, stick out again in your, in your memory. I believe like there's one bit with Freya. Um, I haven't done this myself. Yeah. Uh, she comes in a bit earlier and there's little surprises like this that happen. 
Yeah, it's a. There's not tons of things. They, they kind of didn't do a whole lot with it, but uh, it's the only game in the series where they do anything like this. Yeah. Um, you know, so there are a couple of changes like that where enemies are a little bit different or, uh, like you said, Freya will come up and you fight her for a moment in a different arena and then she retains the damage when you, when you fight her for real, which is cool. Um, little things like that meant to surprise you. And then the, the hints, uh, that you are the four kind of great souls are the same four from Dark Souls one are explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, you get different soul items from those characters that, draw the line very explicitly to the, uh, to the dark souls one characters. So those are the main differences that I, uh, you know, can recall offhand. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, like new game plus is never really appealing to me in these games because I'm not looking for just a greater challenge. Like I want to play in a different way. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it was really refreshing to have a game that actually was like, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll add some, we'll kind of surprise you during this. We'll remix things a little bit. Yeah, I, th- so. I think that's, you know, they understood probably from the first game that people enjoyed playing it again and again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm going on to Dark Souls 3. I've kind of already started it. Um, what have I got in store for me? Is this a better game than 2? Is it as long? <laughs> I hope not. So uh, It's not as long. Um, it is long. So I'm a little bit of a, uh, a little bit of an outlier uh, in the community in that uh, 3 is my least favorite. Wow. Uh, but that don't don't let that influence you because uh, not everyone. A lot of people find two to be their least favorite. So, um, the to me the the difference is uh, three is a lot harder uh, than two, um, especially once you get to the DLCs. Um, they're they're just absolutely very brutal. So just uh, be prepared for that. Okay. Um, and then uh, for your build, and this may be difficult. Like uh, so, they they do a weird mechanical change in three. Where instead of having, uh, do you know like what poise is yeah. in the, uh, the yeah. instead of having poise, you have uh, some hyper armor associated with your weapon. Okay. So if you're wearing big armor, it will reduce the amount of damage you take, but it won't give you poise. So you can still be interrupted by very small attacks. Uh, the way that you avoid getting interrupted is by using a huge weapon. So uh, just make sure you're using a huge, you know, fuck off weapon. And uh, if you don't want to move slowly because you're getting interrupted too much, armor is a little bit less important. It only stops you from taking damage. It does not stop your attacks from being interrupted. Okay, that's good to know. So, and I, you know, and it's it's story wise, it is all very explicit uh, in its connections to Dark Souls One. Um, it's much more like a direct sequel to One. So uh, go go into it expecting that. I went into it expecting it to be, um, I thought, because we had Demon Souls, which is a whole different world. We had Dark Souls 1, which is a whole different world. We had Dark Souls 2, which is a whole different world. I was going into Dark Souls 3 expecting it to be, um, you know, just a, a new set of things. But there are a lot of callbacks, uh, which rubbed me the wrong way, but your mileage will, will definitely vary. And it, it's a really good game. It feels good in the hands. Like, you move really quickly. Um, you know, the controls are really tight. The... the um, you know, hitboxes on things are very accurate. You know, it's a really, really polished game. Nice. Uh, much more polished than two, for sure. Okay. Well, I am looking so. forward to busting some more of that out. The problem is, it's like oh, I haven't. Yeah. I haven't um, it's been a couple of weeks since I did the initial bit, and it's one of those things with Dark Souls. I find is that you can't leave too much of a gap, or otherwise you're just like, what am I doing? Like, yeah, yeah. Where am I going? It's 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 hard to some video games do that where when you start them it'll give you the story so far as an optional thing Mm. you know like kind of like how trade paperbacks will do for comics yeah you know they'll they'll tell you what and i i 
ever, I always welcome that. Like, there's two things I've learned that, like, I always want in a video game is one, something that reminds me where I was in case I put it down, and two, the ability to respec. Yeah. Uh, I want both those things very much. Yeah. And that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's no bad thing. Um, so that's basically it. Um, so tell us, uh, you know, um, where people can find you, what you're doing now, what, what we can look forward to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you can find all of my podcasts at, uh, duckfeed.tv, um, including, you know, for listeners of this episode, Bonfire Side Chat. Um, the show, we've started doing new episodes on Sekiro, but we've, uh, those are part of our Patreon. So if you, uh, patronize us at, uh, $5 a month, you get all of those. And that's at, uh, patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. Um, the, uh, if you happen to be in the Pacific Northwest, we're throwing our first, uh, festival. Um, so if you, uh, go to duckfeed.tv slash duckfest, you can find some information. We're doing a whole day of podcast, uh, in Portland, Oregon, um, in the U.S. Um, 15 bucks. Um, we're doing all of our shows live, some guest shows. There'll be music. Um, there will be, uh, you know, a team taking tickets at the door, everything you want to see. Um, it's going to be a really good time. So I encourage you to uh, check that out. Great. Thank you. And, uh, you can obviously check our stuff out still. We're on Instagram now at a new winter, Twitter, and new winter. You can go to patreon.com slash new winter and have a look at some of the stuff up there. And, um, that's it. Thanks very much for listening. And how do you normally end, end your, your one with it? Uh, we, 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 uh, Umbasa. Umbasa. That's it. Yeah. Umbasa. Which is from Demon Souls, which is someday. One day. You'll get that reference. I will understand yeah. what that means. But until that time, <laughs> Umbasa. Umbasa. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.